Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, all right, all right, everybody. (laughs) We have a couple guests here. (laughs) And we are going to talk about trying to make a show when you've never made a show. (laughs) If you read the title, that was actually uh, a gift from Eric Bannard. Got to say his name with a little Kuya. Yeah, say it strong. Yeah. Eric Bannard. (laughs) Is it German? Yeah. It used to be Edish. Well, if it was. Bennett? Well, if it was German, it would be Edish Bengard. Banged. 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 You got to roll it a little bit too. Hmm. Yeah. My, my, uh, great grandparents came from Germany and the name was too German. <laughs> it was too German. Yeah. Well, it's after the second world war, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so you, they dropped the G and they you dropped the G. I'm the <laughs> so, only bannered in the phone book. <laughs> oh, it's wow. just like, it's weird. There's like Bernard. Hey, that's hilarious. We're, yeah. We were the only pogues in the entire phone book. There you go. <laughs> what up? <laughs> so anyhow, we hey, have some guests. We have some and guests. One you've heard. By the name of Eric Bannard. 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 And Sean Pogue. Sean Pogue. So, oh, how, how do you like your name set? Do you like it a little bit? Like, uh, well, actually, they're soft. Pogue. soft. Or do you like soft. it? You just, just Sean Pogue. Just Sean Pogue. <laughs> or does anybody call you the Pogue? <laughs> He's quick and easy. Uh, I've been quick called, and easy. Yeah, I don't know. Pogue. The Pogue. Bannard in the Pogue. If you yeah, guys ever do a podcast, oh, that's geez, what you should that's, call it. Yeah, trying to make a show and you've never made a show with, Banner, just, with we, Bannard, Bannard in the Pogue. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, okay. Yeah, I'll take it. I don't, I'll take it. The, I don't think I've been called the Pogue. It was called like Pogster or Pogey. Pogey, yeah. Uh, usually, Pogey. Battered, battered Pogey. Pogey. But usually, <laughs> almost like in high school, you are a pierogi too. Yeah, I'm a, or pierogi. Somebody's, <laughs> yeah. But usually, honestly, in high school, for some reason, people just always said my first and last name together. Like it was never "What's up, Sean?" or "What's up, Pogue?" It was always like, "Hey, Sean Pogue." I don't know why. <laughs> There's so many Sean. There's so many Sean. Just, just, there was and Sean P. Like you yeah. don't see Sean P. No, that sounds like a rapper name. That or something ridiculous. You're way too white for that. Yeah, I'm too white for Sean that. Sean P. Too white. But, uh, How people there's say an Irish saying, you know, actually. Like, there's an Irish saying weird, called yeah. Pogue Mahone, which means mm. kiss my ass. Oh, nice. <laughs> and for the longest time, I actually thought Pogue was ass, so I just told people, like, my last name means ass, but it actually means kiss, oh. unfortunately. So. Oh. Pogue kiss? <laughs> so, uh, ass, kiss. Kiss, kiss um, ass. Yeah. You kiss ass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I try, man. That'd be all of it. Yeah. So we are, we are going to get into trying to make a show. But let, let's talk about the beer, because this is one of our favorite breweries. It's where we got our start from. Yeah. 33 Acres. Um, and Evan got it today. I don't know what it is. But before you introduce, what do you guys think of it? You seem to be... It's good. I like yeah, it. You seem I'm, to uh, be really enjoying it. I'm taking <laughs> big gulps. <laughs> yeah. Works deep in. I just, I start drinking and I just can't. It's so good. I can't yeah. stop. Usually once, we, once it hits the lips, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just Usually so we wait till like the 60th, 70th minute, but I was looking at your beer. It's half done already. I'm just like, we got to get going. Yeah. <laughs> the beer. Um, <laughs> I'm dehydrated and this is probably not <laughs> helping, helping, but it feels good. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. Feels, feels good. good. Do it. Feels good. Do it. You know, you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep drinking beer. We even got more beer, but for the time being, 33 acres special. So what are you guys thinking of it? What, what's the taste bud say? It's nice. It's like good. It? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's dry. I like, it's kind of dry. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, um <laughs> a little hoppy, but not too, not, not, yeah, it's not, not too hoppy. Yeah. 
It's just just it's like right it's like medium. Yeah. It's not it's not like dark or light. It's like right in the middle. It's, kind it's of just medium. like a good just a good beer. Mm-hmm. Good beer. You can mm-hmm. see it That's on a cold general, winter's but... night like tonight, <laughs> or on a hot ass. summer's day, <laughs> which I cannot wait for. <laughs> it straddles the line. Yeah. Straddles mm-hmm. the line. Yeah, it's a line straddler. I, re- I, really, <laughs> I really just it. wanted to say straddles in a sentence somehow at this why? point. Because uh, why not? Straddle is <laughs> yeah, a great not, word. Straddle. Have yeah. we? Um, we've never had this one, or have we? No, we have. Oh, we have. I thought um, we had it. Yeah. yeah no, I, don't I, think I, 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 I went into thirty three today, and uh, there was there was nothing on the menu that we have not uh, <laughs> that we have not had before so I'm like okay so we are uh, <laughs> what's it what's it what, what is it called this is 33 acres of ocean of ocean. ocean this is one of their mm. flagships this is their west coast didn't pale we have ale that? didn't we have that when we met you the other night at the uh, no we were drinking life uh, life oh, we yeah. were drinking 33 acres of life, yeah. of life. Yeah. and I wanted them to keep drinking and they're like we gotta work tomorrow I'm like yeah. oh, fuck yeah. don't, <laughs> tell, don't tell everyone that. don't make it sound so lame well no you, uh, you know okay <laughs> That was a that was a, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, was that was <laughs> that one's a bit lighter, right? Yeah, like that's that, like, life that's is like good. A life is good, man. Life is like, good, just like oh, this. Life is good. Th- this is going to be a good podcast, <laughs> I can tell. Like I usually, know. it's like when th- when when it starts out this way, <laughs> like when it's just like, oh shit, is it? Are we ever going to get our act together? Yeah. Oh yeah, we get into something good and yeah. tasty. Oh, yeah. um, let it anything, flow, man. Let it flow. <laughs> hey, the less flow. sometimes you let the less you, the less you try, always usually take two, man. Always usually, always usually the best. Always, usually Words is better. Eric <laughs> it's like that. Write it's it like in um, always uh, Anchorman. Usually almost. It's always like, usually almost better. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! This is gonna be a great uh, podcast. Almost made sense. Yeah, but it's true. It is true. If you really think about it, like dig deep on that one. If you think really, sixty percent of the time it works. <laughs> all the time. Every time. Every time. Okay. okay. This is good. Okay. So trying to make a show when you've never made a show. So I mean, uh, let's let's. Talk you guys are making a show. You guys yeah. are making a show, yeah. so and you've never made a show. We've never made a show. That's pretty much it. We've yeah. watched a lot of shows. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've watched like a shows. shitload of television in my lifetime. I'll tell you that. We want to make a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working on. You are making a show currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, co a show. It's a web series, and then hopefully, maybe if that. Hopefully, works maybe out, if it actually if, if we actually <laughs> make it. Uh, and if it works out and gets popular enough, maybe we can turn it to an actual, like, full-on sitcom show. Mm-hmm. Well, not sitcom, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so right now, we're working on trying to, like, film a proof of concept and trying working on rewrites, which have been... Constantly coming, rewriting. Constantly rewriting. As you guys know, if you, yeah. you know, you're just we constantly... Just yeah. rewriting today. It's just right. constant. It's, uh, it's ne- actually never ending. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, we're rewriting... You're uh, always, like, a <laughs> fucking... I'm rewriting, like, a sixth seventh draft yeah. or something oh, we've, yeah. written, we've written that many drafts I'd say at least at least that mm-hmm. many drafts yeah. yeah so and uh, this is the first time we've ever written like a show before so you have to like you know the continuing of the episodes rather than just like yeah. a short story we've done short stories and short films before um but yeah so that's where we're at mm-hmm. we're gonna film a proof of concept in March hopefully we yeah. have a location locked down yeah we looked at it yesterday March 4th and 5th we're gonna be shooting just a little like four or five page teaser that yeah. we can. That Which we, can we put sent out there. you. Yeah. Did you read it? 
Yeah. I oh shit! I haven't read it since we. Oh, had that's yet. cool, man. It's not interesting. I guess I, I, guess I drank too much and forgot. <laughs> well, we've re- we've rewritten it since then, anyway. Okay, so. well, let me yeah, yeah. We're gonna re- uh, we're, well, we'll, we'll hold off because we're gonna rewrite it and then we'll yeah. see. Okay, let me read that yeah. one because I read the first. I read the first bit. We were in the bar when you guys sent it to me. And yeah. I was looking at it on my phone, and I remember I read the first page, and I was like, "This is gonna be fucking good." It starts out. I'm like, dealing pot in church. Yeah. To the preacher. It's funny. And it's oh, funny. Yeah, it's I'm funny. in. I'm in. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Literally the first shot. You right in right from the beginning, and mm. the, and the only reason why I didn't read it all right there is because like it was so loud Super and you know, loud. you're like there. And, but yeah. anyway, I'm I'm really excited about this project. I mean, I got my film career really my film career really took a launch by doing the web series as well. And although not a lot has necessarily happened with that particular web series, it opened up almost all the doors that have really kind of turned my career around. So mm. I think it's I think it's a really good move because when you do a short it's kind of this one piece and then it's gone and there's no real like, maybe you're thinking about making it into a feature, but when you're making a series, you kind of have to think like a feature. You have to think bigger because you have to, and you have to think like maybe even a whole six season television series. So it, it forces you to not treat, even though it's a small four or five minute thing, it forces you to not treat it like a four or five minute thing. Mm -hmm. You treat it like something that will be actually quite you know, big, right? So mm-hmm. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's why web series are a really neat way to go. I, yeah. So, um, tell us a bit about the concept other than you just dealing pot in church. <laughs> uh, do you want to take this? Yeah. The concept. Well, I, I guess we'll start with like how it all started. Um, can I ask one question? What's yeah. it called? The grow, the grow show. show. The yeah. grow show. Okay. Yeah. So that way people can find it. So it's called the grow show. Yeah. And uh, maybe by the time people hear this, you'll have even released it or about to be released. You guys might be doing Indiegogo stuff or yeah. crowdfunding. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the Grow Show, if you, this concept interests you, I'm just going to plug you guys because you probably... Hey, plug, a, plug away and please yeah. plug away. If, please you, if, if, if you think that would be a funny show to see, the Grow Show, which I actually, and I'll give you my, my, my um, approval, I think from what I've read, it's already awesome. I have, you know, I haven't read more than that, but it was awesome. So, and I think the concept's hilarious. So if you want to go find the grow show, cause it's probably further along in the process and you get to hear a little bit about how this thing's been developing, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. It's called the grow show. Cause, uh, like way back in the day, I, I had some people that I knew who were close to me who ran grow ops and I was this young kid, basically a teenager. And I would go in and, and trim weed and, I met the most hilarious, interesting people and, and the most ridiculous shit would happen. I'm like, this has to be a TV show. Like this is the characters I met were just like people I've never met before. <laughs> the kind, you know what I mean? They're like, just like most of them, you know, they're all really good people, but they, a lot of them have, you know, really unique issues and like are kind of degenerates. And some people are really smart and, and, uh, you know, know really know how to grow weed and you know some of the char- the characters are actually based off of all these people that I met. Mm. Uh, so the characters that I formed into the show, I'm just like there was these three guys in particular that just stuck out to me. They're such strong characters, so I just wrote off of them, awesome. basically. And uh, yeah, it's a st- it's it's a fictional story. So what happens in the show has actually never happened. But uh, I'm I'm just a big fan of like Seth Rogen and and films like Pineapple Express, and mm-hmm. that's like. I really love those types of comedies and movies. It's very, and, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a series, like Imagine Pineapple Express is a series. It's very, it's, it's very similar, but it's different as well. Mm-hmm. Like, because in the style we want to film it, we kind of want to film it more like, 
fast paced, kind of like Edgar Wright. If mm-hmm. you guys know Edgar Wright, like he did like Shaun of the Dead, like yeah, quick yeah, cuts yeah. and stuff, or like, and also Snatch, where it's like really quick cuts. So that's kind of how we want to. That's awesome. We want to be very visually uh, stylized. Yeah, like there's visual comedy as well as a lot of like improv comedy between the actors too. Mm-hmm. We want it to be really loose, and that's why writing we've done so many rewrites is because we'll write jokes you know and then we'll have rehearsals and we'll listen to the jokes and try improving. usually the improv's better yeah right it's hard to like it can be hard to write jokes sometimes it's not yeah sometimes the improv sucks yeah too, like and we're just like sometimes the improv is so you know bad. and we're like hey we gotta write you know we gotta write some jokes <laughs> basically right <laughs> but that's just how it is like i think 50 percent of the of anything you do is gonna be shit even if more than that if you're writing or doing improv yeah you so, just go you cut out the fat yeah basically you I think, think comedy good. is comedy's hard too in that respect. You do need to rely a little on the improv because your your jokes, um, like what's funny today is not necessarily as funny tomorrow. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah. and just for you even because your sense of humor, like I mean, if you guys have never done a comedy show before, your sense of humor is developing as you write it and create it, right? So what's actually happening is you're becoming probably funnier. You're actually working that muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. like what you wrote yesterday, like you might've thought was super funny. And then today, you know, you're like, Oh, well I can make this even funnier. Yeah. Right? And oh, so, totally. Yeah. yeah. And that's what like, that's what Louis CK does, right? He like, he, uh, works on his sketch for like a year and then he, d- and then he goes on like a tour and then when it's done and then he starts all over again and he does it all over again. Mm. So it takes like a long time. That's why he's just so good. He takes right. so much time to work on it. And, and but he tries to be original, right? As well. Um, but yeah, improv. I agree. So Eric and I are actually looking to try and take an improv class. Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, I took a lot of improv class back. It's I fun. First, I started it. acting, and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a little, <laughs> little rusty. So like, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to find something, and I just want to find. It's it's tough to find like a good improv class where the, uh, um, like the actors are good as well. Mm-hmm. So so it's so so you can feed off each other. Yeah. Well, you know you don't want to be in like a in an improv class with the. Uh, with with pretty fresh people or people who are not even actors because mm-hmm. it, it's not as challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you want to you want like to people, people who are getting into improv class because they're like, oh, you know, my my, my psychologist says that this would be this <laughs> yeah. would yeah, be a yeah. good thing for me to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, no, you want to be in an improv class even though with like, actors with are, actors yeah. and people who are like fully committed and pe- even working actors because like Eric and I are working actors been yeah. acting for many many years. So, um, you do, you you want to. Be in a class with people who are like better than you, because then it challenges you to get better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, it's it's tough to find that class. <clears throat> yeah, you improv know, is a skill too. It's a total skill. Yeah, it muscle, like you're saying, a muscle. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I think the you know the other thing too is it's to do comedy. There's a certain amount of trust in the material because when you do rely on improv, you trust that like you have the nugget that is going to hold everything together. And then when you get there, if everybody's actually really excited about the work, mm-hmm. they'll bring something to it because they're all playing off of what's already there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we, before we started the podcast, we were talking a bit about, um, movie of the week. Right. And it's like, they make a movie of the week and you know, nobody cares about that piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like nobody who's really doing it is like, this is going to make my career, you know, like, maybe there's that brand new actor who's like on the movie of the week and he's like, I'm going to really show everybody. But like everyone else is just like, everybody's "Ah." there for the paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you do an indie film, you might spend the exact amount of money and shoot it for even less days, but it ends up being this festival winner that like fucking knocks everyone's socks off. 
And I think like the difference is that indie had everyone's hearts in it. Whereas that movie of the week didn't. Yeah, know? true. Totally. Yeah. Different yeah. mindset. Totally. Like yeah. Moonlight. I don't think Moonlight had a very big budget. And I don't know if you guys saw Moonlight, but that's a fantastic yeah, I haven't had a chance to see it, but I've heard oh, nothing but oh, it's amazing, amazing man. It's it's one of those movies that sticks with you after it, you see it. It it's, touches yeah. you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. In an artistic way and also just as like as a human being. What an interesting like, story. It's mm. a it's a beautiful story. Like I I'd highly, highly recommend yeah. Moonlight for you out there. If you haven't seen it, Moonlight is fantastic. Yeah. I hope it wins the Oscar because I think it's well deserved. Because mm. it's such good timing too. It's it's like very well timed in our society yeah. right now. Then uh, Naomi, many Oscar nominations, and Naomi Harris is amazing in it, and she's nominated for an Oscar. And if you watch the movie, she's in a lot of scenes, but because she had, they had visa problems, because she's actually British, they filmed all of her stuff in three days. Oh, really? Wow. Because they couldn't get her a visa. What? So the only reason they filmed it in three days is because she was on tour promoting that something else. That doesn't make sense. So within that time that she was like on tour, they like kind of snuck her in there. Wow. Because they couldn't get her a visa. That's amazing. Yeah, Evan and I right now are in the middle of uh, producing a feature, and <clears throat> we're trying to get we're trying to get some names uh, attached to the project. It may or may not happen. We'll see how it goes. But basically, we're planning it so that we can shoot people out in a day or two, or like, and so people can show up so we can get an actual name. They come in for like one day. And they get to be a part of the project that like they really believe in, but it doesn't take a lot of time out of their schedule. And I think as a filmmaker, that's something you start to realize. Like when you're an indie filmmaker, you're not going to be able to have that lead actor a lot of the time or that big name for your whole shoot, but you can get them there for a day, you know? And they're like, yeah, I've always wanted to go. I love Vancouver. I like shooting films up there, you know, and they come up and, or whatever, and they shoot, you shoot a scene and it happens you know, a few of my friends have done that where they've gotten films made and they got that little name appearance, but for a feature can help carry you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, it happens a lot in big movies when you don't think, but like, uh, another example is like home, home alone. John Candy scenes were all filmed in one day. Really? Yeah. He filmed the whole thing from like, I think it was from like 6am in the morning until like like 6 a.m. the next day, like 24 hours straight. We filmed all of the scenes. Wow. And that would have worked perfectly for what actually happened. Cause yeah. like you meet at the airport and, almost, and then they're just like in the back of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> and almost speaking, going back to what we're talking about improv, almost all of John Candy's dialogue is improv. Yeah. Like none of it's actually in the script. He almost <laughs> improvised like every single word he yeah. says. Right. I remember a few years back, we got a chance to, um, to see, uh, Rob Reiner give a talk at, uh, the American film market. And he was talking about doing um, Spinal Tap. Oh, man, I love that. And, like, they basically, like, the studio had given them, like, 50 grand to develop the script, basically. And they had started, like, writing, like, working on the script, like, him and, like, the whole crew, like, surrounding, you know, the, the cast. Yeah, what's what's like, the writer's name? What's his name? Um, there's, um, oh, it's, to- I'm totally blanking on he's it. The a- he, he's, he acts in Spinal Tap. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few actors who are, like, I've never seen Spinal Tap. That, that what? No. Dude, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's the original it's, it's, wow. it's the, You guys just the original mockumentary. It's the greatest it's the original mockumentary. No, it's so seen it. amazing, man. Yeah? Dude, it's like one of the funniest movies of okay, all well, time. Like, I guess, it is I guess so that's what I'm good. I can't believe, I can't believe you guys, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. But basically what Rob Reiner had been saying is like, they were trying to write the script for this movie and there's like this, this just doesn't work. Like what we're like, what we have in our minds is not translating to the page. So they ended up using all that money to basically shoot like 20 minutes of what it would be like 
Like a proof of concept? Yeah, almost like a proof of concept, like a 20 minute long proof of concept. <laughs> and they showed it to like the studio and they totally passed on it. And then, uh. then in the studio heads changed and then this person was like, I'm going to pick it up. But then like those heads rolled and then it got dropped. It took them five years or something like until Jeez. somebody finally came along and said, yeah, this is great stuff. Let's make this. Isn't that like the typical story though for anything great? Like, like yeah. Harry Potter too, got, what she got denied like... A thousand times. thousand times, you know? Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. So, well, you know the thing, uh, I turned it up to 11. You've heard of that? You've heard that saying? Like, I have, yeah. That's from Spinal Tap. Yeah, yeah. you're in a band, Eric. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe it, man. <laughs> it's 11. Anyone should see it. up to 11. IMDb, yeah, I and, they, and that's where Spinal, they came in from Spinal Tap, right? Mm. IMDb rates films out of 10, right? Yeah. Mm. And they rated Spinal Tap 8 out of 11. <laughs> that's awesome so just who's the writer because he just yeah, wrote so there's uh, a few people because Rob Reiner was one of them too but the guy who Christopher played, Guest Christopher yeah, Guest, Guest there it is yeah. he just and had Michael that Netflix McKean one that came Harry out called Shearer. Mascots Harry Shearer yeah. Yeah. yeah Mascots was pretty funny too oh yeah yeah. and Best in Show Best in Show oh, hilarious yeah um, that other one where it's about like a play what's that called oh right that one's so good he's amazing man Christopher Guest that guy's a freaking genius yeah hmm. He's well, married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Nuts, walnuts, peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Best in Show. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I used to just go out naming nuts. Mom, and my mom would say, you better not be naming nuts in there. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a part. It's like, what the fuck am I even watching? <laughs> there's, a, there's a part in our, our uh, series where there's a character who loves his dog and he talks about shows and like dog shows and stuff and I got that idea from best in show yeah Mm. Yeah. Mm. well and uh, you know I think as you guys go through this process and you like you know you know you kind of it's like a rite of passage you know making a film is a bit of a rite of passage and like I think you guys will um you know you'll start to learn how to do all this stuff you know and very inductively as you go through it but I think if you really look at it like you know, and you really own that comedy role, you guys can be people who, um, you know, Hollywood and other people call upon to have a certain type of humor, right? And to yeah. really trust that whatever's inside of you, there's something funny. And if you really own it, that's what people will really want. Mm-hmm. I think that's the neat thing about doing a comedy is, you know, you get to share kind of this type of expression with the whole world. Yeah, yeah, and we want to make something that we would watch. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. That's it. You like, know, if like, you wouldn't watch it, why would you make it? Yeah, I just want to make something that lives up to my standards of what I like to watch. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, and that was that was um, again. That's another like AFM story that <laughs> oh, yeah. that happened to us. We met. Um, uh, his last name is Weinstein. I know that. Harvey. Not not Harvey, and not. <laughs> Oh, um, who wrote uh, uh, Big Trouble Little China? Yeah, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. We we met him and like we went and grabbed like some food and like a drink with him and he just said yeah, like we you drank know, with him till two in the morning. Yeah, two in the morning. Burgers and fries and shit and he was telling yeah. us all his stories about like becoming a screenwriter. Hmm. It was really neat. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. And he had basically that was his first piece of advice. He's like write something that you would wanna see. You hear it all the time. It's so cliche, but those things, those things that are that cliche are cliche for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Totally. Yeah. It's so true. It's where, I mean, it's where everything comes from. And I think like, you know, you can take something that you really believe in with, if your heart's in it, you can take it so far, but if your heart isn't in it, you know, and I think like Mm -hmm. right now, like Evan and I are kind of, 
playing with getting a, playing a, getting a director in this feature we're about to produce. Mm-hmm. And our hearts are in this project. But whatever director we get, their heart has to be on this project because if it isn't, like, they're not going to be able to pull off what we want to pull off. Yeah. But, like, we've been trying, we, I mean, we haven't, you know, so far it's been well received from what we've, you know, talked to people about, but, like, it'll be interesting because if we can get a director whose heart's in it, then it'll be great because he and I are both acting in it and we're producing, which is a big enough job. But when you're yeah. doing, like, when you're doing a feature, when you're doing something smaller, it's a little more manageable. But I've acted, directed, wrote, and produced, and it gets fucking hard. <laughs> it's, it's not worth it. No, it gets... Your product's going to be worse. Totally. Worse like, the, and the, the yeah. biggest thing that goes is your acting. And then you kind of are Absolutely. there, and you're like, why did I... I did this so I could, like, forward my acting career. And then you're like, you've kind of sabotaged it. Like, I think... Acting's one thing. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Like, especially acting. Because if you're on set... And you're worried about the fucking food in the hallway that people are eating. Yeah. Or you're ready to do a scene. Like you're Which fucked. What happened? If we, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're not there. The last short film that Eric and I did, uh, we both acted in it and I, I wrote it and, and we got our buddy to direct it, but it was the first time he ever directed it. And so he was more focused on like, was the shot working? Than Brock actually. Like, no, 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 no. no, Brock wasn't there. Oh, the d- last one we did. Oh, d- okay. Yeah. Dallas. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing was, cause we, Eric and I like raised all the money for it with the fundraiser that we did and we were producing it. We had all these people come together. It was just so much work that like when we're, instead of just being there to just act it, like, I don't think, I mean, we haven't finally edited it together, but I don't think it could, it could have been a lot better if we mm. didn't have to focus on all these other things around. Mm. Like it's a say, learning experience. Like sure. we had, yeah, it's yeah. definitely a learning experience. Well, there's this, you know, someone, I remember when I was really young, uh, some, cause I was, my directing career, I'd say kicked off before my acting career ever kicked off and before my screenwriting career ever kicked off was way later. But I remember someone saying to me, like, someone asked the question, how do you write, direct and act? And that person's advice was you do it. And so I think that there's a certain thing about you just go out and you do it. But what I learned through, um, writing, acting, producing, and, and, and just directing everything I learned that what you really need is you re- need like a person in every other job in the other three jobs or whatever, how many that you really trust. So if you're going to direct as well, you need someone who's basically your director, but they step in when you're on set and you trust that they will handle shit, right? Cause if they don't, then you're, then you're stuck like kind of trying to have director brain and actor brain. And you have someone who's producing when you're stepping off, who's like, really good and really taking care of shit. So you don't have to worry. Mm. And then the thing is if you writing, I never find gets in the way to me. Writing is like, it's, it only assists the, the whole process of acting. I actually don't find that to be a hindrance at all where it becomes a challenge. Where I found is when people come and ask you a script question hmm. and you're like, I'm focused on my own shit right now. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> funny? Well, yeah. Because writing is usually a, like on a different day, different, so yeah. different. They it's don't totally, always call the writer. I, totally yeah. I wrote my character for the web series and I've had to find him through rehearsals. Cause I'm like, even though I had, you know, we wrote it yeah. and I was there the whole time we wrote it writing lines for him. Like when you go to say the lines, it's totally different. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Zach Braff shared, you know, Zach Braff, right? He created garden state, which uh, is like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the, like, I, I think one of the best like dramedy independent features that's been made in, you know, recent years. But, um, 
he said like, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. You're both looking at me like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just listening. I'm just, <laughs> just no, listening. I'm just You're not judging. Uh, yeah, no, don't judge me. Uh, but uh, no. I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Just keep going. We already introduced you. You can have as much as you want. Um, but he said that, you know, that monologue he has by the fireplace where he talks about his mom and how he pushed her over and she fell and that's what caused the incident and all this. He was saying later, he's like, I didn't even know my lines for the monologue until I got there. And I was like, holy shit, I don't know my lines. Cause he was so focused on producing and directing and having written it that by the time he actually got to the part. And, um, I think because of the nature of that script, it worked okay. But he was like, yeah, he's like, never just cause you wrote something, never think, you know what you wrote. And, and I, and I, ever since mm. I heard him say that, I was like, that is so true. Like as a writer, you, you, you try on the characters, but an actor, and I think actors and writers don't get the same appreciation by sometimes producers and stuff because, or directors maybe, because you don't see that they have really specific jobs. Like the actor has to go into that character and really dive into that story, that one specific story and let go of control of everything Mm -hmm. the the writer has to kind of understand everybody, but you never are going to understand any one person as much as like a really good actor will understand that one person. And so yeah. it's like, it's like uh, what is it? Micro macro creativity, right? They're not mm. the same thing. Well, it's mm. also about like trust, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like an actor has to trust like the words that are written and the um, writer has to trust that the actor is going to portray the way <laughs> that he intended really intentionally wrote it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, when they the meet actor, up, it's amazing. When they don't, yeah. it's like when they don't, you can see it. You see it on yeah. screen. Or when the actor brings something completely unexpected that you didn't think that is maybe better than what you had in mind. Yeah, right? that happens too. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's amazing. Then but you're just like laying. You hope as a writer, you just kind of laying the groundwork yeah. for yeah. the actor to come and get deep, like detailed garden on it. Basically. Totally. That, look at that metaphor. Well, it's really interesting, like, it's really interesting going through this process with, with Evan because Evan wrote the script and I'm producing with him and acting in it. So I only have two jobs this time, which is nice. Um, but like producing is one thing. It's like fine, especially in like soft prep and all that in pre pre-production. It's not like, um, it's like separate from the acting in certain ways, but like, it's interesting cause I'm very much looking at the one character that I'm playing. And so it's interesting. Like when we had a talk today about the script And I was like, this is unique for me because I'm like, really, I I don't even know like where you wrote the script from. And he was sharing stuff with me and I was seeing things I think in, in the character I'm playing that maybe showed you something that you hadn't thought about, about the character. And it was interesting because I, you guys are kind of doing that too, right? Where you have a little bit of that dynamic so you can like look in a little on the characters and then it's neat because you can actually kind of help each other find whatever the heck's going on and all this stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. Especially when you hit a roadblock or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we've, we've had some great rehearsals, but we've had some really shitty ones, too. Hmm. But it's just it's the way it goes. Like, sometimes, like... You have to have some shitty rehearsals. Yeah, exactly. You gotta get through Better it. a shitty rehearsal than a shitty day on set. Yeah, exactly. You get it out of the system, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, majority, we I'd say we stick to the script, but then there's sometimes, like, the actor will say something, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. So I write it in, didn't think of that. Well, then there's other times where they said something. I'm like, dude, no, you, you can't do that. That's not your character. Like right. you got to understand your character. Just don't do that again. Mm. And I don't mean that in a dick way. It's just like, 
and the actor doesn't see it until I like I'd actually luckily we record our things. So I was like, "Come with me, watch this again," and you can see that that's you know, handy, by actually. doing that, it's just like doesn't work you're just right. you're killing the mojo of everything and they, they think that like it's it's funnier <laughs> that's you, like as an actor i'm sure it's like if you would say i i know that you didn't say that no <laughs> but it's just like but i'm an actor myself like worst well. piece of, i know I, it's like as an as an actor i'm like i'm sure you can imagine it's like dude you're killing the mojo of everything <laughs> no but i everything. mean everything like, and matthew mcconaughey says it yeah <laughs> Hi, bro. I think com- the comedy of everything. Comedy's tough. Man. Comedy's all about pace. Yeah. So it's like yeah, that was mostly, what I was getting at. Like the pace would die. Yeah. Mostly the issue is someone's just not saying their line quick enough. Right? Yeah. And that w- that was a big issue. It was like, yeah. dude, you gotta know your lines, man. Yeah. Because if you're not quick enough, you're killing the pace. Or for like sometimes certain actors when we were rehearsing, they would yell or they would just go crazy, and it was just like. You might think it's funny, but like you know, it on looks, screen, it it's not going to so, work. It looks so stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I found, when so I found about I, I said it straight to him. Like that looks. Don't do that again. You look fucking. You look so dumb. <laughs> I'm doing you a favor. But here. they're like, yeah, buddy. they're my buddies, so I can talk to them like that. Yeah, that's, that, well, that's what's fun too. Is it's all our yeah. really good friends. So I'm just brutally yeah. honest with them. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's, that's fucking stupid. Don't do that again. We're all really yeah. good friends. If they can take it, I mean, that just helps this process move along. If you're not worried about everybody's feelings being hurt. No, man, it's, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just tell the truth, yeah, and, like, be able to take it and be like, yeah, okay, I'll fix that, or yeah, they'll do yeah that it's better. about putting the ego aside, like, yeah, totally. don't, don't yeah. be afraid to know that, like, you're not <laughs> doing an Oscar performance right now, and everyone, everyone's self-conscious, even, I bet you, like, Dustin Hoffman is still self-conscious, oh, yeah, Dustin you Hoffman, know what I mean? like, I first saw Dustin Hoffman yeah. still taking acting classes, He's everyone, not, you know what I mean, like, it, I don't think, but that's part of, that's the amazing thing about doing something new all the time. Like mm-hmm. you're just like out of your comfort zone all, all the time. Yeah. Which is awesome. And it's doing, you know, you get better. The act of doing that's how you perfect your craft or whatever it is. Well, if it was easy, everybody would do it. I mean, if it was yeah. easy. Everybody would just nail it and everybody would be funny. And I think that's the thing is that comedy, <laughs> comedy comes from a place of dealing with things. I, I really, I, I personally, just my opinion, but I personally think the funniest stuff is usually just really, really authentic stuff. You know, like we were talking about, um, John Patrick Shanley and, and like some of his stuff. And like one of my favorite plays is American Italian American reconciliation. Oh yeah. And there's a scene from that play. Do you do Aldo? Oh yeah. Aldo's fucking hilarious. But the thing is, well, these flowers, I saw you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. That. I got girls coming out of my ears. But, girls coming out of my ears. <laughs> but uh the thing about him is like he believes seriously everything he's saying. And if you say those lines with like you really mean it, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. But if you try to be funny, it will just die it has to oh, come yeah. from that it has God. to come from that yeah because well, comedy comes from pain yeah right totally. oh yeah that's that's the key to every comedic character you have to find yeah. their pain and that's yeah. that's where all that shit is coming from because they're trying to you know cover it up or whatever yeah you know. yeah i think it's like it comes from pain and it comes from the absurd yeah yeah you know it's just like a glaringly honest look at something and revealing it for the absurdity mm-hmm. that it yeah. that it truly is. Mm-hmm. That's a good it's, way of putting it. Yeah. Another thing too is it's about being open and not being selfish. And I mean that is like I loved doing that scene and like the thing like you said, like you gotta be in it, connecting with your partner and be truthful. Mm. 
And I remember when I was prepping for it, like over months or whatever, and I, and I happened to YouTube a bunch of because it's a very popular scene. So I YouTube a bunch of um, clips of different acting schools doing it, and they were all just like atrocious. Butcher, like, I know. So I, bad. I the YouTube one, it's never do that. So bad. They're all bad. That actually made me feel so good about myself. <laughs> but, yeah, but. But you're like, seeing but them then, not get it. Yeah, it's, and the main and like yeah, they're just saying words. Yeah, they they didn't yeah. understand what they were saying. They didn't yeah. believe a word they were saying. I know you mean. And they were just trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. And they would. It just felt like they were two people just saying different lines, and not even to each other. Sometimes mm-hmm. they were just like go off the audience laughing, which is like it's probably your fucking family laughing at you, dude. Like this isn't. It's and it wasn't funny at all. Yeah, and it totally killed the scene. Yeah. Well, I think and 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 that's you know you guys bring up a good point. Comedy is harsh, like. The thing is, is like, I think that people go, oh, I'd like to do comedy because that'll be nice. It's like, you know, comedy is like the harshest art you can go into. Stand-up comedians, mm-hmm. like, they, like you got to have some balls to get up on stage. I've been watching you know, so or, much more of it lately. Yeah. I've been some really, ovaries. Really loving it lately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I listen, well, I listen to Joe Rogan podcast a lot yeah. too, and he has a lot of comedians on there. Yeah. So I feel like just, that's kind of what's gotten me into watching more of it. I'm going to see Jim Jeffries. I'm really excited. I'm going oh, to dude, see that guy's oh, hilarious. Yeah, I saw Louis C.K. Oh, uh, the other um, what come in December, which was dude. That guy put on a fucking show. Like he is amazing. He's yeah. the king. He's he kind of. I I would say that he's the closest to like if you were to do this comparison, which I I always kind of find is kind of a shitty thing to do, but <laughs> he's like the Carlin of our generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. George Carlin. Yeah. For sure. I mean, he's not our generation, but no, no, of no, our time. Totally insane. Like he was so good. Like it was the first time that I ever saw the jokes. But he, I, he did two shows in a row, and they were the they were identical shows, right? Because that's what he's doing. But it was so good. I would have gone to both shows, knowing that he still was going to say the mm. exact same jokes, the exact yeah. same way, because it was that funny. That's why you can like rewatch someone like that on Netflix. They don't. You don't even have to hear them say it a new way again. It was funny the first time, and it's funny again. Like <laughs> yeah. I was just re-listening to, I I don't remember which stand-up it was. I'm trying to remember, but <laughs> Louis C.K. Like I will rewatch his stuff over and so over, and it's times. always funny again. I'm like, I don't know, like, and I always I'm always kind of baffled, like. But I always find that the best comedians, they and that was my point. They're just so authentic. They're so true mm-hmm. and honest. And I think that comedy is like, and it does, I think, come from a certain kind of pain a lot of the time or an absurdity where like, you know, what's really funny is like those comedians who can like, like the office was kind of like this where everyone knows it's funny except the character who's in it. (laughs) But then they make the show about the character who doesn't even realize that it's funny. Like that's really smart because you have to like... The character is long, and, and the thing is, is you, then you get the actor. If the actor has an ego, and the actor goes, "Well, I'm going to be really funny with this," it's like, no, you're not. You don't even know you're funny. Like the thing about Baldo, the Cookie Monster. The, yeah. Who they make the guy the Cookie Monster in the Office? I don't remember. I haven't seen enough of the Office, but what? They made him the Cookie Monster. He's like, Ooh, oh, I love cookies. Oh. <laughs> you talking about Kevin? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, but uh, <laughs> no, I was like, the Office. Totally interrupted you. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Fuck, dude! Fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I just I couldn't yeah. get the picture of him as the Cookie Monster out of my head. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah, but I mean, like, if the character doesn't know, like, they don't know that it's funny. Like, there's this there's a scene like in The Departed. I remember when that came out, and there were so many moments I laughed in that movie. But like, when the characters were saying stuff in The Departed, 
they didn't know, like, it was like, they didn't know how funny it was that they were being like, there's this moment where Leonardo DiCaprio thinks the guy's going to pull a gun because the other guy's in, interrogating or bullying the other guy. He's just, and, and he takes his gun and smacks him across the face. And the guy like falls down. He's like, Oh, my teeth. And then the guy looks, he's like, what the hell's going on? He's like, I was pulling out my smokes. And he looks at Leo and Leo's just like, he just like he just had this look like yeah. he, he's like I'm trying to do the right thing here yeah. and he's like I, like you know but he just looks like an movie. idiot right but it's funny because he doesn't know that he's funny but mm-hmm. he's really truthfully trying to deal with the moment and like and even the moments where like I don't know if you guys remember I mean that's one of my other favorite movies but in the when the undercut like the stadies are talking to the FBI and all that stuff yeah, and they're yeah. on the room it's funny because they're not even trying to be funny. They do it so natural. Like, so like, this is just how we talk. Like it's how you talk as a cop. It's yeah, yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It's a good, no yeah. I mean, everybody was great, but I, I'll never like Jack Nicholson just stood apart from everybody. Like he, every, like he's just that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't matter what movie and or whatever. He's just like every single word he says is fucking captivating. Mm-hmm. Also great news. He just signed on that he's going to do a movie. He's going to do like a, Oh, there was a word going around that he just yeah, he signed he no he signed on to do the first movie they've done in like almost a decade, which I think is a French or a German film that did really really well last year. Mm. And I can't remember what it was called. He hasn't done a film in a decade. Was Mr. Yeah, since Schmidt. like two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. Huh. Um, and how old is he like, now? He's he's like seventy three, seventy four. Wow. wow, maybe older. He's pretty old. So uh, okay, he's well, been let's... nominated for an Oscar like thirteen times. Has he won? He's won. He's won three. That's crazy. Only three? Two What's or, his problem? Two or three. I know. <laughs> Come on, Jack. <laughs> so so let's so let's talk about this. So you guys are you guys are going forward with this web series. So you're in the you're in the process of raising money. You're in the process of developing the script. Um, Doing so, a proof of concept. Uh, yeah, I think the first thing we're in the process for is the proof of concept. So and everything that goes around it, and that would be like getting the script down pat for it finish the rewrites rehearsing for it we have location we have one location set we have our dp and uh we have all the crew and the crew we're and getting everything. there yeah. we have the camera mm-hmm. um i'm directing it we have all the actors and everything so it's like we have a couple more locations to lock down but really, it's I think the most important part is getting the script perfected at this point, mm-hmm. and then rehearsing it as best we can. Yeah, yeah, and then shoot. It's 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 relatively short. It's going to be like it's only three or four pages. It's only like four pages. What we're trying to do is just show people who the characters are because the characters themselves are really funny. Yeah, and uh, an introduction to a, a, a short plot of this. Yeah, of what wanna, the story you will just be basically about. with a proof of concept. I mean, yeah, for the web series, you just want like you said, to, to get a feel for what the characters are and what the show is like. And mm-hmm. and it was tough because we actually just, we discussed doing one of the episodes in... Shooting like a pilot. Year, like shooting a pilot, but we we were going to do like episode three because we'd been rehearsing it really well and it'd, be, it'd been going really well. But then as Eric and I talked about it, it's like, it doesn't really make sense to shoot that as proof of concept because these guys are kind of already in the thick of... It's thick already mid story kind of. And so like... Mm-hmm. You, you don't really you kind of get these characters but you don't really know anything that's going on so it'd be kind of confusing watching it mm-hmm. so we decided to just kind of rewrite the first episode in a way that was easy to film that was cost literally no money for us still get to know the characters they still have and, and so it's be funny. just more funny yeah 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 
So has there been any like challenges? I mean, obviously there's been challenges that goes without saying. Um, but any sort of challenges that you've come up against that you did not like expect to be challenges? Not, not really yet. Um, uh, writing's, writing's a little like a lot more work than we anticipated. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. one thing I was expecting and Eric knows this is I was expecting all the, all the actors to be able to improv a lot more. And I just realized like how hard improv is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's why I said like we should take improv class. Like it's 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 tough, man. It's a skill. And then yeah. I think I was expecting too much from guys who don't really have improv backgrounds. And so, but that's not really. This hasn't really been a. There hasn't, man. We haven't hurdle. like we've we've basically just been writing it, and we're 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 on the ground floor still. So yeah, I think. There's probably going to be some bumps and stuff along the road. T- yeah, there's definitely going to be hurdles to, yeah. that we have to get over. We just we haven't we're not at that point yet. Mm-hmm. Do you find that sometimes your actors don't care as much about it as you would like? Yeah, that, I think yeah, that's that's the definitely. whole point. Yeah, even myself included. Like I wrote the thing and you know I'm organizing it, but even me like my phone's ringing. Even me like uh, I haven't spent enough time digging into my character. Even mm. you know what I mean. I know these like our friends are working actors and. You know, uh, one of our buddies came to rehearsal last week and he had a few auditions that day and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at this now. And it's like, it was frustrating because it yeah. was like, yeah, we gave it to him a week in advance mm. and it happens though, you know, and like, yeah. and you have to find that balance of like, okay, uh, we really want to make this happen. And, and it's amazing that everyone wants to come together and make it happen. But yeah, you, it's, it is still work. Yeah. And sometimes when people, when you're working with friends, it like you don't take it as seriously because you're like oh yeah. if I show up and fuck up they're my fr- like they're not gonna get mad at me and, yeah you know like totally so you do have to kind of step in and be like hey man like come on like if we want to fucking do this like or else we got to find someone else yeah because yeah. if we don't take it that seriously no one else is going yeah. to I, I think that's really, um, if yeah. anything there's that we've had a problem we I do t- I, t- I take yeah. it really seriously too I think I it's, actually really do it's, like it's, the guys yeah like, exactly what Eric said is like we're all friends so like they take it seriously but they also kind of like don't as much because they're like oh they're my buddies I can get away with it where it's like you shouldn't look at it like that like yeah. look at it like get your fucking shit done man show up on time yeah. know your stuff yeah and have, have pride in and, and like they all talk so everybody talks about how excited they are but sometimes they don't show up to do work or they don't show mm-hmm. up and they have done none work and it's like look man if you want to do this if you're serious about it like why don't you show initiative do some yeah. work yeah they and they will it's it, it's it's still early days but I do take it really seriously I think about it every every day I message Sean about it every day and like, you know, I want to, I really want to make this happen and make it a good project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one of the challenges I realized early on in my film career was that if I gave roles to my friends, they tended to not take it as serious. But if they had to go through an audition process and feel like they earned it, I found that people took it way more serious. Like when we were doing soldiers of the apocalypse, I remember like there were certain people who we cast and they didn't have to audition. They were they were kind of on the inside circle, and they got that opportunity. And and it was interesting because they were like lead, and then they weren't taking it as serious as someone who was like playing like a supporting role who had to audition. And it was like it was really frustrating because it's like like it's like I remember being like I cared about it so much, and I'm just like why don't you you know? And I think that sometimes that's I think that's one thing I would say to all those actors who are listening out there like if someone grants you or gives you a role, don't ever treat it with like a lack of gratitude or don't ever treat it with like that kind of like 
take it for granted because your friend did it. Like, and I think you should, you guys, and one thing I would say is if I ever cast a friend again in a show and they didn't take it seriously, I'd be like, listen, I'm going to give you two warnings. This is your first. Mm-hmm. If you do, if you show up again and you don't know your lines, I'm next time I'm cutting you. I would just literally do two strikes. They would show up on, on set with not knowing their lines. Well, like, yeah, I mean, there's certain things that would, that would happen like that, you know, like certain things, but, but I wasn't, I remember I would let certain things slide and it creates mm. a, it creates a problem, you know? Well, because then you're, then it like creates something inside you. Yeah. Right. And you're like, cause you're worried about the friendship too, right? Well, now it's another concern. I just, yeah, tell, just I tell people now, like, I just say, listen, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. This is your first. That's a good, that's you, good. you made a mistake. You came in, you didn't have your lines. That's fine. But listen, if you show up again, you're putting me in a position where I have to do this. It has nothing to do with yeah. you and I, but listen, just show up, know your lines. We'll never Care. have a problem around this ever again. And this is it's kind of a, hard to memorize lines. Like, yeah. I mean, like this is kind of like, uh, it's, it's, it seems almost like a bit of a strange thing in some ways because you know, like you would for myself, like, like Eric, you and I, we did, we did a film with Brock that he, yeah. had, he had written. And I remember coming up to it and like, I had like basically one scene in the whole thing, like mm-hmm. with you. And you it was, it was good. It was like a giant fucking monologue. Like I had to learn well, like, yeah. yeah, it was a giant fucking monologue. Good. We went basically. to the, we, we went to the States. Yeah, we went to the that. States That's to film awesome. which yeah. I was just, I remember talking to Brock <laughs> at the time. like, are went, you sure me that we have Dude. to shoot this in the fucking States? We went to Seattle. Like, <laughs> Cause you guys were doing like a rally or something. Yeah. We went to Seattle for a rally and your girlfriend, I was dating his girlfriend was Steph at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Time. And I remember her yeah. saying like, I don't want to go and all this whole thing. Well, fair enough. Like it was kind of sketchy. Like yeah. we weren't, cause they, know. cause they went down with Mariners tickets. That was how they got away. We with actually it, did right? go to the Mariners oh, game okay. too, which is kind of fun. <laughs> but, uh, awesome. and, and we went, okay. We went and shot in YVR and I had full American army gear on. I was like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding? You want me to go into Y? Cause we had to get a shot of like my, like I was flying home in my army gear and my, my parents are there and they're like greeting me at the airport. And I'm like, are you got, like, I'm not comfortable going in the fucking airport right now in full army gear. Like U S army gear is just kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm just like, I f- they're like, come on, man. Like we gotta do it. I'm like, fuck it. You know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. And we, we got it. Oh but, yeah. Like, but there's there a couple like in, things like that. Yeah, like, like the one scene that we had, it's like, you know, there's like five the dudes packed sure, into a car, like yeah. traveling to the States, telling them that we're going to buy like suits or something at like the outlet thing for a wedding. I forgot. And it's like we're literally that. just going right across like into the, the diner, into right the on diner the, that's like, right there. The trunk is full of fucking camera gear and shit. <laughs> and we're just like, oh god, like please, I like totally don't forgot, give us man. a hard time. Oh man. But basically, the point of the story was <laughs> was that it's like you know, Brock had offered me this part. He's just like, hey, I just want you to do this part, right? I said, yeah, for sure. Like I'm in, I'm in. And you know, I, I got the script and I'd had it for a little while. And then it got to be about like a week out from when the shoot was. And I, and I just went like, Oh shit. I haven't like, like I've been thinking about the, the, the part and I've read through it, but I haven't really started working on it. And I was like, I'm like a week out and I'm done work on this shit. And I'm like, and I don't, I don't even care how like 
what happens to this. Like, for mm-hmm. me, this is just like, I want to do a good fucking job. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just for myself. Yeah. You know, like, I always talk about, like, one of my favorite mentors and, and acting teachers, Larry Silverberg, said, only you know what's good enough for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes, like, someone might show up and it's not enough for what they expect. Or sometimes, you know, what you've shown up with is more than what someone expects. Right. But like, it's really, it comes down to your own sense of integrity, your own sense of like, I know that I've done my work on this. I know how much is good enough for me. Right. And for, and that was kind of what was driving me for this one. I'm like, yeah, it was just kind of handed to me. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And, and there was almost that sense of, of, yeah, like I've, you know, like my friends, you know, so I'm, I'm helping them out with this film. Right. But at the same time, I really admired what, what he was doing and the message that he was trying to send. And I want to do that justice, but then it still comes down to, it's like, yeah, but I'm playing this fucking part. I don't know where this is going to end up screening and who's going to end up seeing this. And I want to do a good fucking job. So I started like working my ass off on it. Like I'm just like, I've got to work, get this shit show too. You, we, man, we shot that scene so quick. Yeah. We shot that. We shot both our coverage in like an hour. Yeah. And it was like a full page or two pages Mm. even. Oh yeah. That's great. Well, and I mean, I think that's the thing is I think, you know, if an actor shows up and they take it for granted, it's very telling of where your motivations are coming from. Like it it tells me that you're motivated based on an external thing. And it sounds like with you, Evan, what you're sharing with that story is that you found an internal motivation. And I would say that to actors and filmmakers and screenwriters and everybody out there is you got to, you just have to, you have to tap into that internal motivation because you guys are putting money on the line, you know? I mean, and a lot we, of time and a lot of time and we put a lot of money and a lot of time. And so when someone shows up and they don't care, it's like, you don't understand what it took for us to get here, us. And for you, you're letting down, not just me, but you're letting down the whole fucking team right now. And you're letting down yourself. And it's like, I think that independent filmmaking, like one thing is, is when you've made a film, you, you, you really start to appreciate what it takes to make a film. Totally. Yeah. I've yeah. watched films totally different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I notice everything now too. It's yeah. like, like I just know, like I look at costumes and you know, right. and yeah. set design, like, and yeah. just everything. Like, yeah, I just totally watched movies. And the more you guys them. go through this, you're, the more you're going to have respect. Like actually Sean was in my first or my, one of my, my second, second. Uh, movie maker course that I did. And part of the reason why I launched that course, and I still run it every now and then, but the reason why I launched it is because I wanted to teach people what it's actually like to produce your own film so that they can have a real experience of what it takes to fucking put your heart into something and like go out there in the world and like bear that out there. Right. Because I think that there's my problem with Vancouver. I love Vancouver and I want Vancouver to be powerfully self-sufficient as a film industry. That's my, one of my life goals. I would love to be one of the people, if not the person, if need be that fucking went into Vancouver and helped people build fucking filmmakers industry here. Yeah. That came out of Vancouver and they go like Vancouver is not just a place that goes and like we bring our shit, we use them and we move on. But people from actually Vancouver, whether, even if they moved from out of here, I don't give a shit, but they started making film here in Vancouver with their own fucking work as opposed to like, 
relying you know, on outside. I feel the same way. I feel. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's the only way we're gonna make. I think that's the only way I'm gonna make it in the film industry. Like I, I, and I would much rather make it that way than auditioning through a bunch of shitty shows. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, well, seriously, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, not saying like, there's a lot of fucking awesome shows here, but you audition for a lot of shit too. And like, well, yeah. it's not just that yeah. you might be on a good show, but the thing is you never get the opportunity to play the great part because the way the industry never is, really, the no, way, the way the almost never moved. Yeah. I've almost never for great parts, but he, like I've had shitty attitude going in. Cause it's like, I know they're going to cast this out of LA. So I'm just going to go on and have fun. And sure enough, like I knew like the sun coordinator on the show and he's like, Oh yeah, they ended up casting out of it. So of course they do. Cause it's a big part. Dude, and they twice this has happened to me. I've been brought into the producer's office. They basically said, you have the role and go home, wait for your, your agent to call. My agent calls me on the final hour. This has happened to me twice. We, they found someone from LA that person, we went through the whole fucking razzle of callbacks, auditions, working with the director, meeting the producers. I was basically like, I'm in the movie. And then we found someone from LA and it's like, so shitty, and, and, man. and the whole time, you know what they're doing, right? Yeah. They're, they're basically yeah. going like this. Let's audition. Let's hopefully we can find someone who's really good. They, in this case, in these couple cases, they found me, they were happy with me, but they were like still dangling, hoping they could get someone with a bigger name, bigger pull. And if that person didn't come through, I would have got the role, but that person did come through. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. now it's well, like, I'm a no name. So fucking boot him and it doesn't matter. And so like, that's like, it's so crushing. Cause you're like, I, I, I fucking finally got a chance, you know? I know. I know. I know <laughs> someone who was like uh, shadowing a director on a show that's filming Vancouver. I'm not going to say the show, Yeah, that's good. but, um, he was telling me about how like they had this role up for grabs and, um, and they wanted this, they had this guy in mind, but they're like, where they weren't sure if he was available. And so like, okay, well let's, let's hold, like, we'll send an offer. See, we'll hold the casting session just to show him that like, we're like, you know, it's not just his. So they basically just like made the offer. They held the casting session only as leverage against it. They had no intention on casting any of these people who work yeah. hard, who yeah. go on their own time and audition for this. They had no intention on casting and they didn't because they were, <laughs> they already had in mind this guy and they were just <laughs> waiting to hear back from him. Yeah. Crazy. And that apparently it happens, happens all the time. All, business, all the time. It's a yeah. business. Seen, oh yeah. No, I've kiss, heard kiss, that from bang, other bang. people too. Fucking kiss, love kiss, that bang, bang. They're like, he thinks the whole time he's like, yeah, I'm up for this role. He's like, you were never going to get the role. The role was for Colin Farrell and it's just, you're just leveraged to get him to to sign a a lower contract. It was always going to be Colin Farrell, but they just wanted Colin Farrell to take that film for less money. And that's what they were leveraging him against. That's what they do. He never had a chance. It's all business moves. And that's why I, I really believe that you, you, what you guys are doing, I think is, is we're creating a business ourselves. The thing is, is like, yeah, we're creating the parts. We're getting, we're getting on the other side of it where we, you know, we have, control we're making what we want to see and and we have control over what we're creating mm-hmm. it's the for me that's way more exciting than you know creative control yeah it's great like it's a lot of work but it's it's so fulfilling and it, you know that's the only one man it's yeah, yeah. the only reason i'm here it, the only reason i'm in vancouver still and not just constantly traveling around the world like having having fun which i could be doing which i still do sometimes but um <laughs> is because I'm like, you know what? I really want to create film. I really like film. I want to work in film. I want to create my own film yeah. and create stuff. 
and that's why I'm here because I, I can do that here. I have friends here, and I, I I would love for Vancouver to, you know, I think there is there are a lot of people here doing it. Yeah, but it's it's not. I don't know. Well, it's not you a know, it's it's all your your attitude. Like this, um, we talked before we started recording, but I I had spoke to um, a potential director um, for the for the film that that we're doing that I had written, and he was saying to me, he's like, Vancouver is actually the best place to be a filmmaker. Right now it is. He's like, it is the best place to be a filmmaker right now. And he's like, in terms of like, you know, credits, the crews, like the people that you can get here. Mm -hmm. Like, it's insane. I think the the biggest problem is that like, you know, it's like, maybe it's that West Coast thing where we're all sort of laid back and like, whatever, and kind of flake on shit and whatever. It's like, we have all of these things at our disposal. And it's like, but we don't use them. Yeah. You know, we don't ask for them. We don't go for them. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, like one of the biggest issues. Cause there could really be a renaissance of like there's a Canadian few, filmmakers. There's a few come other out of places here. like that. And for people who are in these cities, like, like you don't need to go to LA. This is my experience. Cause like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at all big in the industry. Like I, you know, I haven't made a name for myself, but I am working as a screenwriter. I'm working, I'm getting hired. I'm getting jobs as a filmmaker, but what I would say is that you don't need to go to LA anymore. It's all changed. You can go to LA. It's fine. But like, there's uh there's like Houston, there's uh, you know, Oregon, there's a few places where they've built, um, a good infrastructure of actual filmmakers. I think Vancouver is probably one of the best of all, just because like so much shit comes up here that we have highly, highly great trained crews. And the thing is, is that right now, it sucks right now, like as an indie filmmaker a little bit, cause it's busy here, but don't worry, it'll die. And when it dies, you're going to have the fucking, it's like walking into a candy store and they say, everything is free. You can work with the best director here, the best DOP, the best, cause nobody's working mm-hmm. and every actor is available to you. And so you can just come in and, and hire all those people. Like if you think about it from LA, they come up to, they come up to Vancouver or they go over to Houston or they go to Oregon or they go to these other places, right? What they want is they want the good tax break, but they want to get it before everyone gets everyone else. Cause then they can get the best crew and all the like actors that are here, but aren't really a name and they can pull them onto their show. And that's what they do. And they, and they cherry pick. And then all these other productions start coming up and then they have to take the leftovers. And like, if you, if you know anything about Hollywood North, which, you know, I, I try to be very well versed in, cause I'm very serious about turning Vancouver into a a little, you are you know, serious. Mecca. Well, yeah, <laughs> back it. in the nineties. So back in the nineties, our dollar was super low. And so what ended up happening was they didn't even have enough crew members to fill sets. So people were going to their friends going, have you ever wanted to work in film? Like you could work in film, make a lot of money. And people were like no experience. They, they were getting put on these massive film sets and like, you know, and so from the 1990s, like even eighties, I suppose, but we were building, uh, a kind of a Mecca of, of things. I've heard it described as, this is my point. I've heard Vancouver described as, and this is like Houston. This is like many of these other cities outside of like LA and even Toronto, even a little bit, even outside of Toronto, but that we are basically in Vancouver. We're the, we're a fucking awesome dinner table laid out with all the plates, the China, the cutlery. We have everything. It's crystal glassware. And now we have no fucking food because we don't make any food. So when LA comes up, they fill our plates, they, mm. they fill our wine glasses and we fucking love it. And then, 
when the dollar changes, the tax break changes, we have no food, but we have all this nice fucking China. And that's the thing is that our filmmakers need to go, you have the best fucking shit here. You have like, you can shoot in Vancouver in, in BC and you can have five different places, like five different types of places. You have the desert, you have the forest, you have the city, you have everything here. Mm, and, and, and you know, others, right? You have everything you ever needed and you have great crew. And the thing is, is like, I just think like, the fact that we're not making our own shit is ludicrous to me. And, and a crazy community of great actors. Yeah, and exactly. Like yeah, I, yeah. I went through. Plus, people actors. love to travel here. Yeah, like they love to come here. I sent I sent you a list of like twelve people that I personally know that are all awesome actors that could potentially play this one character. Mm-hmm. We're all friends of mine. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't know. Well, that's the thing yeah. too. Like, I mean, I think that's why Vancouver has a bit of an advantage compared to some of these other cities. Like. Like, and I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I don't know Houston. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm just thinking about some of these other cities in America that they have thriving industry, but it's not necessarily a self-producing industry. Um, they probably have really great actors, but like, what's really neat about here is we have really great actors that aren't known, but we can get them. Like Emily Rickards was on, uh, our, our show soldiers of the apocalypse later. She ended up being like a lead in a television series. She came in I remember, and we were just like, Holy she's cool, man. I've known her for a while. Yeah. She's talented. She's yeah. one talented lady. And I, and I remember she came on and I was just like, I remember instantly being like, you get this character, don't you? And she was just like, she was just, yeah, I really do. And I was like, and I was like, and, and fucking all these other women came in. We had 20 people. We were like shortlisting. We were like, Holy fuck, who do we choose? And it was like, but we just get to, we got to choose that. Like what I think is amazing mm-hmm. was like, was like, we we cast 42 roles for our show Soldiers of the Apocalypse which is a fucking lot of roles mm-hmm. and like for pretty much every role we had a plethora of options that were like if you just do it you know we have so much uh, option here it's amazing mm-hmm. and the thing is is I just think I, I really like what you guys are doing I think like the one challenge we have in Vancouver is trying to attract more name talent but but what's really cool is we can make a good project with really good people yeah well all our all all our friends are, I know so many good actors. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone who's in, who's acting in our show, I've been friends with for, we started acting around the same time and have like watched each other grow. And now we're, they're really great actors. Yeah. It's it's actually really cool to have seen that happen Mm -hmm. and, you know, and are working and, you know, done shit and, you know, have been leads and stuff and like, you know, stuff that we used to like, be like never thought was even possible. And that's, what's cool. Like a lot of times, you don't realize the progress you're making as you're making it until you right. kind of look back to. So like, it feels like maybe kind of sometimes you're like not doing much, mm-hmm. but you're like kind of inching forward, you know, as long as, yeah, that it's happens. It's so funny. That's what Evan and I were talking about yeah. today. We're like, it's a game of fucking inches. It is. You know, yeah. and you just, if you're making an inch forward every day, you're, 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 you're fine. You know? Mm-hmm. Cause like, I think there's those days and I think that we all recognize them when you make like a foot jump or like a several foot jump and you're like, this was a fucking awesome day. We did so much. And then there's those other days where you feel like you're literally doing nothing. But if you did anything towards your production, you moved forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing. I think that's just, we got to have that mentality of like, Mm. I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't even know what it's going to take. Cause we're talking about when you've never made the thing yet. Like you guys, you guys started the script. You guys were sharing the script, right? Now you're in, rewrite, rewrite. Two, two, two and a half years ago, I wrote the first draft. Well, see, there you go. Which is totally different. <laughs> yeah. Which was so different. And I even shot a pilot for it. And we've like, 
kept the characters kind of and like totally done, redone the whole like thing. The concept of the show, everything's changed. Before it was just me writing it and I made that thing and then I was like, I can't do this on my own because I produced, directed, acted in it and the same thing. You didn't Acting, direct it. Uh, you're right. I, sorry, I didn't direct it. I wrote, produced, yeah, and yeah. acted in it. Mm-hmm. But even like... This is what you're Dude, talking you about. Dude, you could have done more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my acting, and it was like, I didn't even like have a character. Uh, you know dude, what I mean? By the time I, I sat down to do it, it was like, I'm like, yeah, I'll be able to nail this. Like, of course I know it. Same thing. And but and then I'm like, Sean, like, you got to help me with this. And thank God, you know, because I, w- I would have never gotten us even where we are now if, right? Like by myself, it I would have just, I would have done it out for sure. Well, you know, it's interesting because Evan, how long ago did you write your script on the highway? Oh, man. I probably wrote the first draft like, yeah, like seven years ago. (laughs) So this is the funny thing, right? So Evan just had a meeting with a potential director and he was telling him a bit, like one thing we've really discovered just between us is like, we discovered a lot about the millennial struggle. Like we were all kind of told we were special and then we showed up and Hmm. we're like, we're not special. We all have to work for it, but we've all been kind of indoctrinated into this. You know, anyone who's like 35 or, or younger, even, even like, I think it's 35, right? 30 or 38? That makes sense. Something like that? Yeah, it's like 30, yeah, if like you're 35 and younger, you're a millennial, I guess. So so you're millennial, right? And then even younger, it's a little bit, it changes a little bit. Basically, we were told we were special. So, you know, um, we showed up into this and we're realizing like, it doesn't matter if you're in the film industry or not. Go to college, you're going to get a job, you're going to have a career, you're going to be a house. And we're all finding like, especially in Vancouver, we're finding like, fuck, I went to college. I don't even work based on the degree I got. I can't own a house. I work at fucking Starbucks and like life just is not what it was promised. And we're all dealing with this struggle a little bit. And his film, which is really funny, I don't think he realized it at the time, but he really wrote about the millennial struggle. And, and he mentioned that to the director and the director was like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. That's like, I don't know, maybe you can tell it better, but basically the way you told me, and it's like, you're hitting on something that no one's really hitting on. And so you think about it, like if we would have made it seven years ago, we wouldn't have known. It's like the timing in a way, like you create the script, you write the idea and it and catches like, up with itself. Totally. Yeah. And I think yeah. you should try to do it as immediately as you can. But you know, sometimes there's a serendipity the way things work out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. also like on a technical level for the film as well. Like when I wrote it, I'm like, Oh, the, like I want this to be like in, an indie love letter to British Columbia and like the beauty of the, of like the place that we live in. Oh man, BC is so beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. And the thing is that like, if it had been made right at the time, there are so many things we couldn't have done because now it's just like, like this director I was talking to, he was just like, Oh man, we could just like drone shots, like get these beautiful drone shots. I'm like, that wouldn't have been a reality. We have a drone. Whatever. Yeah, we bought one. We took it to Iceland. We went us. to Iceland and filmed And then some we shit just there. like threw oh, around Iceland. Man. We have like this crazy. We bought a drone because we're like, we're going to Iceland. We yeah. might as well have a drone. That's fucking and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we bought the drone specifically to take to Iceland. Iceland. Yeah. yeah. I actually always forget that we own a drone. I, I've flown yeah. it. Yeah. We've only flown it. I've flown it a few times yeah. since then. I don't then. think I've flown it once since we got back from it, I fucking, it's so fun. It doesn't last very long though. But it lasts about t- but yeah, it gets like maybe you, 20 minutes. But the thing is, like, you only need it for like a quick shot. Yeah. And it ups your pressure value like oh man yeah you know, like stuff like, that you people see in a helicopter. helicopter yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, we went to, when we went to Iceland and we showed people our video it's like some people didn't believe they're like oh you took this because we had like shots like going over waterfalls and like and literally like circling icebergs like in the middle of like a glacier lagoon and yeah it's like yeah we just filmed this unreal unreal 
drunk and drinking boxes of wine while we did it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, that was a cool trip. That is awesome. That's yeah. how you camping. shoot. That's how you get some footage. Camping in <laughs> well, the middle of like let's a think farm. about making movies too. Like it's fun. It's and if you're yeah. like even if you're like don't really care about the project, it's still fun doing it. Like Eric and I did uh, like who's gonna uh, the guy who's gonna be forty eight hours. Yeah, seventy two hours. Seventy two. So the guy who's gonna be our DP is named oh, Cole. Yeah, yeah. So he did. The seventy-two hour film festival, he's which actually, I usually would say no to, but yeah, but it, he was actually—he's my girlfriend's brother, and I'd never even met him before. But she was going to be in it, so she asked if I'd be, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." So I did it more like for her, but like favored him, and that was the first time I met him. And Eric came on because I—I I asked him to do it, and it was actually a lot of fun, hmm. like so much fun. The script wasn't very good, and like. Because it was like you know made so it was quickly, fun to kind of but, fuck around, but it was just so fun. And just like, film something every, between takes. We yeah. were all laughing, everything, and like we I had to shoot like, someone and kill them, <laughs> and I had a fake gun. I don't know what I was <laughs> the thinking. Funniest thing. I come into the room and like you know it's just like over and over when you're a kid. Like if you reenact a movie, you're like pew pew. I came in and I I shot someone and I made that noise. He literally did that. So I'm like my scene like I'm like I'm like tied up. It was so horrible. I'm like tied up. And Eric busts in and he literally does this pew pew and then he gets shot. He goes <laughs> like it was so. But it was so fun. The funny thing, yeah. He didn't even realize he did it. Like yeah, he, was, he I mean, didn't. He wasn't trying to be funny. You know, it's <laughs> that I remember seeing an interview with Alec Baldwin talking about like one of the first things he ever did. Similar story. It's like he's chasing. He's like some sort of a guard or a policeman chasing a guy, and he like like comes out of this door chasing him, and the guy's at the end of the hallway, and he's supposed to like be shooting him. And he he actually went like. <laughs> <laughs> And like he totally didn't realize he had done this. Hey, if Alec and they called did cut. It. Yeah, Alec Baldwin <laughs> did it. <laughs> and <laughs> was totally unaware. So and like they called cut, and he was just standing there. He's like, he's like, was it good? Was it good? Was like, and they, everyone was he just was like, feeling it. Um, he was like, he was in it. <laughs> and they're like, Alec, we'll uh, we'll add the sound effects later. Yeah. <laughs> And it dawned on him, and he's like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. It's so funny when we Eric all laughed so hard. Like, I, like, yeah. I couldn't believe he did The funny thing is, <laughs> apparently Alita did it as well, mm. uh, but it, she thought everyone was laughing at her, but but like no one even noticed that she did it, because Eric was it's just <laughs> like... Oh, dude, yeah. It's like, like, that was the sound he made. Was he like, bam, bam. Come on. It was like, pitchu, pitchu. Dude, I don't go with a classic. I never make the pitchu, pitchu. No, it was like, no, it wasn't, dude. It was not. It wasn't. It was like, pitchu. No way. Pitchu. You're exaggerating. I'm not, dude. There's gotta be footage of that somewhere. It's not true. It's not true. No, it was, no, it was not. It was more badass than that. Yeah, it was the <laughs> least badass sounding gun I've ever heard. Whatever. <laughs> That's interesting because, like, I mean, when I we did when I did when we did a soldiers, like almost everybody handles a gun at some point, and uh, we had one actor, and it was such a little kid thing to do, but he went to shoot someone, and he like when you shoot a gun, the flame goes like the pressure goes outward, which kicks your hand back and makes your you know mm-hmm. it's a yeah. it's right. jolt, right? Yeah. But as a little kid, when you shoot a gun. You kind of go, you know, like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Because that's kind of what it looks yeah, like, you know? And so it was really funny because he goes and shoots and he does this and you're like, it just like, when you see it, you're just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's not going to work. Kind of work. Kind of way. <laughs> yeah. 
you know what I mean? Like yeah. too much. And and uh, and then we had one other uh, situation where it's and it's funny. I mean, you never really know it until you go and you make it. And I think the thing is, is like you do as much research as you can. You do your best. You're gonna make mistakes. But we had another guy who's holding a rifle, and we were saying, okay, like basically the rifle shoots and you pump it back into your shoulder. That's what's going to make it. And we're going to add in visual effects. We're going to add it all in. Mm-hmm. And when you do it right, it actually looks like... Uh, if you time the sound good, it's actually... Totally. Yeah. You don't even notice, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you add the muzzle flash and the fucking shell especially, mm-hmm. it looks really real. But like one guy was holding his gun and all the Americans who shoot guns, they'll know. But um, actually, apparently we have more guns in Canada than, than even the States per person. Hmm. Well, it's because we have... a like a tenth, tenth of the population. Yeah. We have way more guns than we do, but yeah, yeah. But anyway, so there's a lot of people who do shoot, but um he was holding his rifle like an inch away from his shoulder and kind of going like that. <laughs> so it didn't look right. What you have to do is you have to basically Oh yeah. When you're doing it, you're not shooting a real gun, so you have to basically push the the butt of the rifle really hard into your shoulder and then as you're shooting Accentuate. you you push it even harder into your shoulder mm-hmm. and it looks like your body's taking the blow of the Guns going back, yeah. It was yeah. really cool. Um, you worked on um, Man in the High Castle, too, for a day. Yeah, so. yeah, for a day. It was cool. Like, the Man on the High Castle, they had a guy on set who was, like, uh, he was in the Canadian Army, mm. and they, they had him on set just to make sure that, like, people really looked like they were in the military. Mm. Like, when you walked, you walked, like, you walked like a soldier. Totally. When you saluted, like, you know, there's a, you've done that a thousand times. You know, and yeah, I got there early. It was cool. I got there early the first day and he was, uh, we spent like an hour and a half with him just like walking. That's amazing. Yeah. It was really cool. We had a guy on our, and, and I mean, I, I like, it's one of those things where I like, I wish we even did more of when we actually shot the series and we'll see. I mean, we'll have people look at it and see how it holds up ultimately. But we had a guy on set who was part of the Canadian military and he spent I think he spent like 20 minutes with us just teaching us how to tie our boots properly and why. Mm -hmm. But he created a, he was so good. He created a real mentality of like, and when you're doing a military show, it's, there's so much to think about if you've never been in the military. Like there's so much to learn. It's like so much unspoken. Oh yeah. And you don't know because you see it like on movies or you see the military (coughs) do it, but you don't, you don't know it. And like, even like saluting a thousand times, that's the thing you've got to remember that this has been done many, many times over, mm-hmm. you know, the first, uh, short film that Eric and I ever made was a world war it's two. It's true. Mm. Uh, did you ever see it? I don't know. I'll send it. I'll send you the link after this. Whatever you got, got your entire body of work. Yeah. I'll send you my entire body. Yeah. We filmed, your body. we filmed, we filmed <laughs> it. Mail myself <laughs> naked. Keep your head attached. We filmed, yeah. Well, anyways, it was like, a, <laughs> I don't want anything like that. <laughs> he would. That'd be weird <laughs> if I cut my own head off and mail it to you. That would be, be fucked. How you would even do that? Yeah. How you would arrange that? You have to like go to your PI. Like, okay, I'm going to cut my head off. I want you mail yeah. to this address. Okay, you ready? <laughs> it's going to be from 7. What can Brown do for you? You can watch me cut my head off and then mail my body to this guy. <laughs> and then you walk in and on your head in like a felt it's like I'm pregnant or something. Like just wow. to like really... <laughs> wow. Holy shit. 7. Come on. What the fuck did we start talking about heads? And <laughs> what were you talking about? I'm Dude. talking about our film. Oh, yeah. He's talking about his body of work. We went off on that. Come yeah. on, give us a break. <laughs> 
<laughs> you want another beer? Yeah, <laughs> I do actually. Oh, yeah. All right. uh, wait, it's like a World War Two, like I guess, like romance. Whatever. I don't know. World really know. War Two romance. Well, like was well, it between you? It is. You no, the romance? Actually, there is some outcuts of. Uh, it's, it's about like a guy sending a, a letter, love letter to his wife when he knows he's gonna die mm. in war. Yeah, in mm. war. But it's the thing is, like, it's a, considering. Like, I'll put it this way: we we literally did it for like five hundred bucks. We. <laughs> We Which filmed it amazing. over two days. We filmed mm-hmm. one one day is all of uh, the girls' footage. One day is all of my footage, and and like the ghetto stuff we had to do. Like I I was like the like a couple like a week before filming my stuff. I'm like we don't have a uh, uniform. Like what am I gonna do? So I just went to U- Value Village and I just bought a bunch of green stuff that kind of looked <laughs> like a uniform. Oh, <laughs> but it actually turned out great. I, yeah, like honestly, if you watch it, it looks pretty good. And then mm-hmm. I bought. To make it more just, I spent the real money. I bought an actual, and I still have it on, like in my living room, a World War Two like helmet from the Armored Depot. And I played a soldier. And that, we just yeah. trade back and forth. So I put that on like the table <laughs> to make it look like authentic. Yeah. So it, like take the attention away from my uniform. And then we, uh, and then there's a like a quick flashback of a soldier dying. So all we did was like an Eric Worthy uniform when I was done. And he just put, he just like, we were like walking around and we're like, where should we film this? I was like, this spot looks good. And we (laughs) went over to like in a field. It works though. It actually like, you can't tell that we, there's no lighting or anything on it. We was just like, okay, the camera. Yeah, we're good. And then Eric just, just like put fake blood in and just like spat it out. That was like it. We filmed (laughs) it in like a minute. It was great. It was pissing right. And then there's this part where like, he's like in front of this, like, old wall that makes it look like kind of it actually looks like you're I don't know how we pulled it off to be honest with you like the film's not great but considering I, like that's a good did, point though is that you just got to go and do it and you yeah. just like that's kind of the fun is like making and the it fun, happen as you go too. the hilarious thing which you can't see because it's all voiceover mm-hmm. and it's all mostly the music um there's my scene if you watch it is all like a supposed to be like a dramatic scene of like writing a letter and you're, you're you know you're gonna die and all this anger but as I'm filming this whole scene, like supposed to have like moments to myself, we the only location we could get was like the upper loft of a barn, and this barn was actually like uh, a, feed a pet store. feed store for all of the farms in Abbotsford, and it was like open that day, and and it's like open, so all these trucks were coming in low, like on the low, like it was all open and we're on the upper level. And then on the lower level, there's trucks constantly coming in. We had like, hey, like, hey how's it going? Not talking to us, but talking to everybody and like throwing the hay so on I'm there. To cry. And I'm like trying to like be in this, but you can constantly hear like, hell yeah, I'll take three bags of feed. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but it worked. And great. there was a highway in the background. Like it was so fucking loud. Like it was, a, it was a silent. You, you film, can't maybe. tell luckily cause it's like pretty much a silent yeah. film, but it was difficult. <laughs> we did the whole musical score for that too, and that was yeah, a whole other. We thing. did literally everything. Like we, uh, I yeah. wrote it, Eric and I directed it. Yeah, I acted in. Eric technically acted in as well. Yeah, humble beginnings, man. We edited it. Eric edited it. I like. I wrote the music with. Yeah, it was just crazy. That was the first mm. first thing we ever did. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's so interesting. I mean, I I think like, you know, one thing I can say is like it's funny because Evan and I are about to do this feature and. Like, after dealing with this show, Soldiers of the Apocalypse, like, I mean, it was, to do it on the budget, we did it, we had 42 actors, we had, like, basically 123 people involved at one point. It's insane. It's insane. It's crazy. And, you know, I was a kid, really, when I was running this show, and, and like, um, 
we had so many props, so many machine guns. Like, honestly, we have, I, I was talking to one of the executive producers and he's like, I thought it would be one shelf for all our fatigues and guns. It was like, he's like, it was like the whole fucking wall. Like we just had so much shit. And like after doing that, plus visual effects, plus all this stuff, all the coordination, all the locations, we just made it about as difficult as we could. When Evan and I were doing this film, I'm like, fucking piece of cake. I'm just like, yeah. no problem. I'm like, the, the like, I just, it, it's so easy to me. It's all contemporary stuff. We don't have to dress people in wardrobes. We don't have to teach them how to tie their boots. Like everybody's like a normal, <laughs> real person in life. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like with that, like we had to do so much shit and like, there was some pretty amazing people around me, but like, it was like a lot, but that's the beautiful thing. My point is, is that after you guys do this, everything else will, will seem easier. That's like any less than whatever you do. So I think like, that's the beauty of kind of making your own work. And I think like, we're always going to be facing that. Cause I think what's going to happen is filmmakers, we're going to have to face like virtual realities the next thing. And then pretty mm. soon, like there might be holographic shit. And like, I was talking with a buddy about that last night and he was saying like, he's like, do you think what's going to happen is like, we have self-directed content essentially with VR, meaning that you choose you make your own a destiny. Movie, yeah. But people mm. will look wherever they want to look instead of right now, the director right. tells you where to look. That's in- yeah. that would be incredible. And the editor, the director and the editor tell you where to That's look. That's so cool. Yeah. Think about yeah. that. So like you guys could be talking, but if it's a VR, let's say your, your show was mm. shot in VR, someone might be what's really interesting is like someone might be look at someone who's not even talking, who you don't even think is an important part of the scene. And they're looking at them and they're not even focused on the two people who are talking. It's like you're in the room with them. Exactly. Yeah. And so like, we're going to have to start to deal with that. So whenever like mm. I make my first VR film, which I'm sure I will one day, I already had uh, a DOP come to me and give me the offer if I wanted to. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for it yet, but it's doing, like doing producing. Yeah, like yeah. producing. And so you have to film that on a 360 camera. Yeah, 360 hey. camera. That's fucking exciting. That's cool. I, it is exciting, though. Yeah, yeah. But, but think about it. When you set up a set, you don't set up a... A 360 set. You, you set up, you're lighting that section. Yeah, you're, that you're, much you're lighting harder, a whole you environment. You have yeah. to... Yeah. And the other thing, too, is what would end up happening if people look up is you have to create... Uh, Everything. You, you might have to fill that shit in with VR because if you have lights... Yeah, yeah then you have to replace all that shit. So what ends mm-hmm. up happening is you might not have lights. So you have to deal with naturalism because you can't afford huh. to have the lights. Do you think that's an like, interesting challenge? Do you right? think we're going to see like the next evolution in camera technology? And of course, we in, will. no, I mean, of course yeah. we will. But like in terms of like, cause you look at something like the Revenant, you know, like which was filmed with like almost purely natural light. Yeah. And yeah. that was only made possible because of camera technology. Like the, I know the DOP, Probably. I read an article. He said like, I, he's like, I tried film cameras. I tried a couple of different, like, like digital cameras. And it was it, like, he couldn't capture what he could on like older stuff, like on like a film camera. He's like, no, there was like no way that he could have done it not just because they do all these insane continuous shots, but because there was a level of like shooting in natural light that film just couldn't pick up. Like he's like, he's like, you're shooting in like such low light. in so many of these scenes, it's like, if we shot in film, like you wouldn't, you like most of the screen would have been just dark. Right. Cause I right, know, uh, would have been able I to know, see be any no light it. hitting the well, film I to, know, to create a yeah, burn. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah I yeah. know one of the stunt coordinators who was on it. He plays on my hockey team and he yeah. was telling me all about it. And it was like, 
I mean, when they wanted to do natural light, because it was still the winter time, they can't, they can only film for like an hour a day. Yeah. Because then the sun would go down, and that whole sequence which she was involved with, like with all, of, I think he said he had sixty stuntmen. So many. So that yeah. one whole kind of first battle with all of like the yeah. natives when they come. So cool. They filmed that whole thing over twelve days, and how it would be was like it would continue on, and then once they got to a tree, they would freeze it, cut. That'd be in for the day. All these people would then be like change wardrobe. Then they were over here all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So it was the same people, right? Just in different shots, and then they would continue on. Got to a still park. Cut, like to watch and they it would again stitch it all wow, together. Man. Like that's how they made it, and filmed that whole thing over that's twelve amazing. fucking days. Well, and you're saying, is do you think it's going more naturalism? And I mean, I I would say that like hmm. I'm not. I'm pretty in tune with the industry. I think that it is going naturalism, especially when VR starts to get its place. Because if you think about it, it's like, it's it's like how are you going to yeah. fucking light? How are you going to do this? it? You're yeah. not going to you know, have a visual it. fucking production. Yeah. To be able, you're going to need cameras to yeah. me. Like I think that there's going to have to be complete revolution in cameras because it's all gonna you're going to need like some how that much light they can take. In. They can That's take in and like how like making them more like how the eye really takes in light, you know, they'll be more yeah. adaptive, more dynamic, I would think, which is going to take a revolution. I don't know how it's going to happen. Somebody's way smarter than me and like, we'll figure it out. But what's interesting is like, cause right now we have, we have an, I think an indie revolution that's been happening for a while. And like, if like, I'll just give you guys a technical history about how this went. There was the DSLR, which was basically what happened was at one point, I think it was 50% of films that were in I don't know if it was Cannes or it was Con or, or Sundance, but it was like 50% of the films were, were DSLR, which is what we shot our first proof on hmm. on this. Then when, when we were getting some traction, the red camera came out. Everyone's like, the red, the red, the red. I remember the first time we got the red, it was like so expensive to even try to get your hands on the red. Now, like, like I'll, let me just take you through the history of the camera. So this is a 4K camera. We were dealing with a 1080p, which is basically 1080p is like like technically less than one fourth. It's technically less. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're dealing with one fourth. So now we have four times the quality. Well, the first day I remember our first few days on set with the red took us three times as long to get a shot done because they were like, Oh, well the red needs way more light to be able to pick it up with the DSLR. We could shoot, we shot 16 pages in one day and you know, that was our proof. We just fucking shot. It was really technically two days, but we actually got through everything in one. And then, uh, and then we were dealing with that. By the time we were actually shooting the major show, we had, because technology had moved so fast, we had a red camera and a red scarlet. Hmm. Two cameras running with a fucking lens kit that would have made, like, Steven Spielberg go, like, holy fuck, you know? <laughs> like, and, and, uh, and, and we were doing this, and it was like, technology was changing so quickly over the time that we were shooting this show that we were, we had to evolve with the technology. Yeah. And it was really, it was it a looks different. Well, it's crazy different. now, like, yeah. uh, the guys who were like Cole and Dylan, who are uh, like our DOPs, um, they just bought a camera and that films in 8k. They have a red that films in 8k. Yeah. That's how far it's jumped. Now. It's just like insane. 8k. Like yeah. it's just insane. And well, it, it gets takes to a so certain much like, unnecessary. And shit, yeah, it's it's actually, but it and gives it you room so, to grow, right? It takes yeah, like, so much memory too. So, like we were talking about, oh, we're yeah, like, we're gonna need like like ten terabytes of like RAM to be able to hold all more than that. Hard drive, just yeah. just for yeah. like this short thing that we're filming. Man, well, and for it, yeah, RAM too for to process. And that's the thing is like one thing I would say for indie filmmakers who are starting out 
Go back to DSLR. Yeah. Shoot a good story. It's DSLR for us shoots so fucking fast. It's such a small little camera, and usually they take in such better, great light. Sorry to interrupt, oh, but yeah. I think a better than the DSLR Black Magic, is the Blackmagic. I agree. Yeah. Black I think Magic the Blackmagic is the talking about buying middle ground. DSLR is like the best, like... It's great, that's what that's they the did past, with the Black Magic. Like, they the they black married ma- yeah. the red and the DSLR, yeah. and they yeah. found that Like, match. the Black Magic is, yeah. like, the new DSLR, okay. because, like, so the Black Magic is just as good as quality as some reds. Like, it yeah. shoots in yeah. four... Po- so, if like, not better, Magic, we've watched a lot of... Yeah, depending on the red, like, obviously yeah. it's not up to yeah. 8K caliber, but some of them shooting 4.6K, like, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. And they're only, like, three $4,000 cameras. Yeah. Like, and you don't so, necessarily have to buy them. The thing is, no, the like, reason like, why they're a benefit is that it's not about how inexpensive your camera is. It's how much can it shoot without needing light requirements. They use the black magic a little bit on uh, yeah. Mad Max. They use a little bit. Oh, couple, wow. A couple shots. They That's one of the magic. most stunning freaking films. I mean, come on. Yeah, that movie's amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Holy shit. <clears throat> I watched it. He was high on mushrooms. I I went to the theater and I I tell a story. (laughs) Yeah, please. I was like, yeah. I don't know why. Oh, I I just had these mushroom chocolates that we bought at the 420 thing a couple years ago. I just had like had these chocolates in my freezer for a while, and for whatever reason, it was like a summer day. We were going to see Mad Max, and I opened my freezer and I saw them like. You know what? I should eat one of these. <laughs> right before we go and see Mad Max. It was yeah, perfect. Like, this is the greatest thing. Witness ever. me! So like, so like, Unreal. I think I bought him. Unbelievable. Because he was sold out. I remember I bought people tickets there. It's like opening night. Eric shows it. Yeah, it was like opening night. So I yeah. bought the ticket, gave it to Eric. And he looks at me. He's like, I'm really high on mushrooms. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I was like, fuck, dude. All right, but it felt good. And I then he's good. like, "She's like, yeah, man." And then <laughs> we sat down, and you, if you've seen Mad Max, like that opening shot of just some like, Kim running away and all these flashbacks, and all of a sudden it's just like Mad Max. <laughs> you know that? So like after that part, it was like Mad Max. Eric, like he like looks at me, he's like, "Well." Here we go. And he just like, <laughs> he just like grabs the armrest like he's fucking riding a roller coaster. Was, I was like, in. Talk here about we virtual go. reality. Like I was. I was sweating during that movie. <laughs> I like, yeah. like it, it was so. It was such a great experience. Oh, I'm not and, then, and then it was over. And he looks at me and he's like, "Well, that happened." That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. I yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, but then you made the mistake of doing that for Sicario, and you said it was like the worst experience. Oh ever. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say it was the worst experience ever. I was there with my girlfriend at the time, and I, I actually really enjoyed it. That's an really amazing movie. It. Yeah, it's a great movie. There were some oh, really dark moments that, was with that, the, that could be weird if you're, you know, if you're. Yeah, that unfold within like the first amazing like, director few minutes. He was like, oh, yeah, he's, who signed so on? He's he's doing Dune. Did you hear that? What I I the heard re- about him doing Blade Runner. Yeah, that's already done. That's made. That's happening. That's it's releasing this year. But they just signed him to do the next Dune. They're gonna remake oh, Dune. Oh wow! Are, are they gonna do it? That'd be a cool. Like, are, are they gonna do it like based on some of Jardowski's uh, stuff? I, or? I, that I don't know. I mean, I feel like if there's any director who's gonna do it, he would do that. Yeah, he's an amazing director. So I'm, I'm still. And if he brings his DOP with him, it's just. I'm like, sure he will. Oh, it's Dune. Man. Well, it's gonna yeah. be interesting. I mean, it's gonna be interesting right now because I think like you guys are getting in at an amazing time. I mean, Evan was pointing out we have drone technology now. We're, we we're just beginning to venture onto VR. VR isn't big enough for it to matter yet, but we're dealing with these 4K, 8K cameras and stuff like that. It's a really interesting time, but I always say, and I, and I, I don't know if you remember this in the Movie Maker course, I always told people to just look. It doesn't matter how shitty a film looks. If the story is good, you will not really care. It's true. Look at Clerks. Yeah. 
Exactly. Clerks, clerks, like, I don't know if you ever It was actually clerks. better because it was shitty. Yeah, yeah. Clerks was yeah. horrible. They had, like, no budget, and it just it blew up at Sundance because he made it, and the story, and it was just... I mean, if you watch it now, it's not as funny as it was when you first saw it, but at the time, it was hilarious. It was groundbreaking, the storyline. It was filmed black and white, and it wasn't very good, like... But that made his career. Like, yeah. after that, he, like, he could make whatever he wanted. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like he, he um, um, Kevin Smith talks about that. He says nobody was making a story about the life I had experienced, and and he just really came from a really truthful, authentic place. At least that's what I read about what he shared, what he shared. And I thought that's so that's so it. You just got to be authentic. Like you're telling your story about you know the grow show mm-hmm. with something really authentic about what you experienced, and like. People can make stoner comedies. They can make them, and they're always going to kind of have a little bit of an audience. I think there's always going to be stoners. It's like, another stoner movie. Let's mm-hmm. do it, right? But, like, if you come at it with an authenticity that's never been done before, I just think that there's always a market for, re- like, something that's real and, like, true. To- you know? I'm, I'm making this show for the guys in in the grow show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reason I call it the Grow Show too is we, you know, you used to call the Grow Up shows like, "Hey, oh. we're going to that show." Oh, it's the Grow Show. Right. You nice. Um, but yeah, that's making it for, like if those guys watched it, they'd be like, "Oh, of course!" Like right. that's uh, yeah. You know, you that's know? so awesome. Like that's mm-hmm. and and I think this is kind of what we've stumbled into at this point. Like, yeah, it's about like how do we understand a truthful experience of something that maybe nobody's touched on before? Like yeah. maybe it's not entirely new subject matter. But the point of view, the perspective on it is completely different. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, like Martin Scorsese, when he did Mean Streets, like there'd been, there'd been plenty of movies about the mob and the mafia and gangsters and stuff before. Mm-hmm. But for him, he was like, you know, having grown up in like the neighborhood really in New York. Yeah. Where yeah. he saw what happened and he, for him, like, um, a great book, um, uh, conversations with Scorsese, mm. really terrific book. Um, just like for like a really candid, like just I saw that in chapters conversation. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and for him, that was part of it. He's like, I never really seen violence as I understood it, how it actually happened. He's like, you know, like violence in movies up to that point had always been like, you saw it coming. You know, you always saw it like there was the cut to the gun or the guy reaching into his coat or something like you, Mm. like it was set up. The audience was always prepared for it. And he's like, how I always experienced violence, like for a guy who actually saw it just like erupt while he was out on the street, Mm. you know, it's like, it just boom, suddenly it just happened. Somebody, suddenly somebody was just being fucking shot. Yeah. Mm. Like right in front of you. And if you look at how he treats violence in his movie, that's exactly how it happens. It's it just, it's vulgar and it happens mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like it just suddenly explodes when you don't expect it. Mm-hmm. And that was like massive. I think that was part of, you know, that was his experience that he brought into film. And in some ways it's, it's part of I mean, he's a fi- an unbelievable storyteller mm-hmm. <laughs> and director, mm-hmm. but a he's big part right. of, he's, <laughs> yeah. a big part of his success was like he's based there. on like this, uh, on him bringing in his mm-hmm. own perspective, his own experience into and translating it into the. What else medium. could you do? 
what else could you do? Yeah. Maybe a lot of shitty movies are people who just like can't portray their perspective or they're not trying to do that. Well, people have an idea. It's a contrived notion of what they think. It's based on, Oh, I saw this in this movie and I saw this in this movie. Right. And so now you're just, you're trying to create something. You're trying to create something that's not out of, out of your own actual experience of, and you know, sometimes we don't always have a firsthand experience of something. In fact, with a lot of things, we don't, but you know, sometimes you ha- that just means you have to dig a little bit deeper. Sometimes that just means you have to use your imagination, you know, a little bit, you know, you have to really dive into it a little bit further than just being like, oh, okay, well this is how I've seen it done before. So we'll just yeah. do it like this. You can and see right through like, it. Yeah. You can totally see right through it. Yeah. It's just like, it has none like, yeah, it has no all specificity. Of the, yeah. It has all the aesthetic of mm. something that you've seen before, but it has none of the, the heart of it. Right. You know? It's like, for me, it's like, you want to talk stylistic type of things. Like you look at someone like Guy Ritchie, you know, yeah. it's like, Guy Ritchie. like, I'm sorry, but to this day, nobody does slow-mo shit. Like fucking <laughs> Guy Ritchie does slow-mo shit. Like, because the thing is that he didn't do it just because it was cool stylistically. Like, yeah, it looks fucking so cool when you see it, but there was a whole reason as to why he was doing that slow motion shot. That's why people do him. They copy him and they do it in, they don't do it right because he did it from an authentic style. Mm. Whereas other people go, Oh, I like Guy Ritchie's style. So I'm going to do his style. It's like, remember he did that slow motion shot. It's like, Oh, there's a fucking reason he did that slow motion shot. And he still uh, does it the best. BMW short. No. Oh man. So back in like the early two thousands, BMW brought out like the M series and they, I guess as a promotional thing, they did all these short films. They're like, I think they're like six to eight minutes long. They're all on YouTube. Google, like what YouTube. are you doing right now? Put them in two cars. <laughs> <laughs> We're Canadian. There's we call way. it a two. Americans yeah. call it a hoodie. Uh, no, a beanie. Uh, what? A hoodie? No, they call it a beanie, dude. A beanie. Oh, yeah, a beanie. A hoodie's a sweater. Oh, yeah, that's right. They, yeah. <laughs> in a some places in Canada, me. though, they call a hoodie a... Uh, a, a jumper, a, a, a bunny hug. What? What? Yup. Come on. World fucked up places that Saskatchewan. Oh god, I feel bad for. I hope no one from Saskatchewan is listening. On your bunny I'm hug? from Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a rough rider? No. <laughs> no. My family thinks that I'm god. a total. I like. I'm a total traitor. That I'm anyone like, from Saskatchewan has to be a rough rider. That's all they have. That's all they have. <laughs> I came out here so young that I'm just like, no, I'm sorry, like go rough riders. But when if they're if they're playing the Lions, I'm like, no, fuck off. I don't even I give a fuck about the CFL. In general, we actually have uh, our American <laughs> audience. Our American audience is funny. Our American audience on the show has grown more and more. They're like CFL. What the fuck is yeah. that shit? <laughs> Canadian <laughs> Football League. And I'm tiny. Brother, yeah, I'm NFL all the way. The people who didn't yeah. get drafted, and they basically make in instead the NFL. of making yeah, ten million, they make thirty, thirty dollars a year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the guys who didn't get drafted, yeah. or it's the guys who are who are like at the end of the careers. Because yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's actually what happened. I remember Dave Dickinson. He was fourth string quarterback in the, the and NFL. He was the best, and he got cut. 
because he wasn't good enough, yeah. came to the CFL and he was the quarterback of the year. Like yeah. that goes to show wow. the fucking difference. Yeah. yeah. And I remember uh, Ocho Cinco, with, who uh, yeah. Yeah. was like he played in the CFL. Yeah, he was an all star. He was on the Bengals. He was on the Bengals. All star for the Bengals. Like he yeah. was fucking amazing. But the end, the end of his career, he wasn't good enough to play in the CFL. I didn't know NFL that. anymore. So he played for the Montreal. What, Ocho for a Cinco. Year. He was like, super famous. Yeah, he, he was on the Argos, not not the Alouettes. Oh yeah, maybe on the Argos. Toronto is the one who would have done yeah, something. It was like one that. of the other. Like, you guys he remember when we were talking about film? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so what I was talking about what was the, the fuck were you the talking BMW about? short films. Right, yes. <laughs> and then had, my, we went off about You were tube. fixing your hair under your tube. Yeah, I was trying to figure so out why because it's so long. <laughs> my hair like seriously if I pull like my hair goes all the way down to my chin. Anyway so show about your hair. So there, I think there's like six or eight <laughs> short films, and I'd highly recommend all all of them. So yeah. what BMW did for like advertisements is they hired all these like really famous directors to do a short film, uh, and it all has kind of the same premise, and they're all kind of like based off of like a guy who's like a driver, and he has to drive someone particular to some place for some reason. Mm. And and then each director kind of took that and made it their own. And mm. the driver is the same in every single one, and it's made played by Clive Owen. So he plays the driver nice. in every single one. And then everything else is kind of up to the director, I think, who writes it or just directs it at that point. But they're directed by, like, Tom Scott, I think. Is it Tom Scott? I wonder if they got a BMW for being it. Oh, okay. Tony Scott? Tony, Tony, Scott. Tony Scott. Tony Scott directs one. Uh, Guy Ritchie directs one. With Madonna in it, and that's probably the best one actually. He was married to Madonna, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. That's why yeah. they, that's why she did it. So like, it's all about this like girl. It's basically she plays herself in it, and then like she's like so shitty to the driver who Clive Owen is. So she's like, take me to my next thing. So he just drives the shit out of the car, and like she doesn't have a seatbelt, so she's just going back and forth and back and forth, and he makes her piss her pants because he's like driving so nice. fast. But there's this great scene where he like fucking launches the car and it's in slow motion. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And then John Woo does one as well, and a bunch of other like Gary Oldman's in one of them. Oh, crazy! Like it's they're, they're all like really high production. Don Cheadle's in another one. Uh, like wow, that sounds like BMW is just balling out of control. Yeah, so they did. Them all, <laughs> they have a little money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I highly recommend. They're all really fucking good. Oh, nice! I'll definitely check those out. Yeah, just just uh, Google BMW short. Okay, and I think there's like six of them. Right, and they're all fucking awesome. That's fucking awesome. Okay, well, why don't we wrap up the uh, podcast? Sure, I got the key. Went yeah. by so fast. You got to do it. I know that's the thing. That's what people keep saying to us. Mm. You guys, and we started out you, like ninety minutes. You're like, I don't know. Like we've gone over ninety, I think already. But Definitely. it's like. Yeah, but it's like funny because you get into it and you're like, the flow. yeah, yeah. Oh, 15 people, nice. Yeah. yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! What up, 15? So we, we got a live audience for those who are just listening and you didn't get this live. We have a live audience watching us as we've been bullshitting and drinking beer. Oh, and, shit. and we have a lot of cans in front of us now too because we've been. <laughs> Enrique is coming out now. Going hard. Um, Enrique. Uh, Enrique. Yeah. Ben Cart. Ben Cart. Ben Hardo. So. Okay, so yeah, you would. So yeah, we've gone like an hour and forty-five. I think it's a good time. Let's just wrap it up. And yeah, we can still talk to our live audience. But um, so what do you guys like after this whole talk? So the talk was, 
how, how do we how do we title it? What was the talk? It was, it was, it was, it was <laughs> making a show. Making a show. We never made a show. Making a show. We just made a show out of a sh- not making a show. Exactly. There you wow. Go. So making a show and you never made a show. Uh, the main thing is, I, I would say just just do it. Like, um, don't Nike. don't second. Go- yeah, just yeah. Do get it. Nike. Nike. Just just Nike. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have some money now? <laughs> <laughs> just do it. That's your advice after all this. Well, it's, yeah, like I'm, like it's like Wayne Gretzky says, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, right? There, so. there is that there is that like entrepreneurial spirit to it. We you do have to make something out of nothing. Yeah, you are the one who has to create this fucking world out of nothing and then convince other people to create it with you and hopefully it's like can live up to what you had in your mind uh, of what you want it to be some advice I would give to people mm. is also is like just like just do everything you can to put your ego aside mm. because honestly like I know you might want to be like oh, I wrote this I want to make it I want to do this but like the more people you get involved the more people you so get like like all like part of this project whatever percentage I don't give a shit what it is like but the more people who are invested it just makes it easier for yourself it makes it better and it will come together but if you're trying to do everything on your own probably will fall apart mm. on that note though you, you do need to like stick to what you want to at the yeah. end of the day like it is it's a it's a it's a combination of both yeah mm-hmm. um you do want to still make sure it's your project at the end of the day, but yeah, there, there is finding that balance. Of, yeah. That happened to Eric yeah. and I once because we, uh, the last short film we did, we asked these guys to get involved and we were excited about it. They wanted to do some rewrites and we thought it was just going to be, you know, a couple rewrites, but they ended up like completely rewriting the script and making it something completely it different. It was totally different than what we And yeah. uh, we just said, no, this isn't going to work. They didn't give the vision. So, so we yeah. just, we had to part ways. Yeah. yeah. So there's a bit of that too. But, but yeah, getting, getting people on board with, you know, with your vision and, and, and I've, I had the moment like when we went to one of the rehearsals, I'm like, we're about to go meet with like, I don't know it was only like eight, eight or nine people. But so I'm like, these eight or nine people are really invested in this project. Something that like I've created, you know, yeah. we've created out of nothing. Totally. And now like everyone's kind of like excited about it. And that's, I, I got a feeling of gratitude that, you know, that's even that is just super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to make it happen and, and hopefully people will like it and hopefully it's, it's funny and lives up to our expectations. I'm going to keep trying until we get it. You know? I think that's how you do it. I yeah. Think, I think you just keep trying. You keep, you know, you keep working it. Mm-hmm. I'll let, I'll let you close it off and I'll just jump in if you don't mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, you know, a couple of things that I've learned cause I, I, you know, I'm a little, maybe a little further along in the process now of just like making shit cause I've made stuff for so long now, but I would say if, if I always try to speak to myself at 17, cause that's really like 16, 17 is when I started my film career, but I would say live by the two strike rule, which is that everybody gets one mistake unless it's a fucking deal breaker, figure out what your deal breakers are, figure out what you're absolutely, if someone it's someone has totally like fucked common sense and they fucked something up, like that's a one-time thing you're done, mm-hmm. but live by the two strike rule, which is the first time someone makes the mistake you tell them and you say, look, you made a mistake. What happened? Let's talk about it. If you make that same mistake again, we have to have a talk about you possibly leaving friend or not. That's one of the things that I found that when you're making something, friends can 
make your project and kill your project. And I think that you got to, they have to live with that same thing because when you guys are experiencing this, if you guys put your own money in, if you raise money, if you put yourself in accountability and someone has never had that, but they fuck it up for you, mm-hmm. you have to, you're the ones that have to take it on the chin. They don't feel it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to live by the two strike rule. So that's something I would say totally. when, when you haven't created anything, just live by the two strike rule, live and fucking die by it. Yeah. And if your friend does it twice, like say, look, it's not personable. We, we talked about it once. You didn't do it again. Nothing personal. We already talked about it. Yeah. But let's, we have to part ways. You don't fit for yeah. what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. That's something that I would say to myself at 17. If I lived by that rule, that would, that could change a lot of Think shit. Think of how, the, how many girls you would have never dated. Well, totally. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't, and you know what, everyone's, of course, my, that's <laughs> where you went. <laughs> Every, well, and you know, girls for the guys, like how many guys say, yeah, dated, right? versa, It's the same yeah. verse, right? Yeah. Like, and, and, and so the th- same thing is, is if you're really going to flex, you never flex more than three, you know, you never flex more than three strikes. Like sometimes people, maybe it's something you can go, okay, I can get why you made two. have empathy, have compassion, but live by that two strike rule. The other thing I would say is, um, one thing that someone told me when I was making soldiers of the apocalypse, I'd made other shows before, but it was my biggest. And I had put a, I had raised a hundred grand for it. So I was like really feeling on the hook. And, and, uh, they said, you know, <clears throat> this film isn't you. This film doesn't define you. And one of my mentors pointed out, he was like, you are infinitely creative. You have so much more to create than this one project. No matter what happens with it, you need to separate yourself from this piece of work. And that's the other piece of advice I would give people who have never made anything is your first one's your fucking baby. Like this is your baby. It came from your life. It's even harder for you to like depart yourself from because you lived it in certain ways. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember that this is only exists because you exist. If you guys didn't exist, it would not exist. And so like, you know, I look at even Evan's show like that. I didn't write the movie, but it exists because he and I decided we would go out and make it. If we don't do it and the script exists because he wrote it, but if we don't go out and make it, it does not exist. We are the most important thing. And if we look at it from that part, we always put people first and we don't put the fucking project ahead of everybody. Cause that's the ego part. I think that happens. You were talking about, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you don't want the project to, to, to literally destroy or kill friendships and stuff, because I think that can happen. I mean, people are like, this could be my big break. And you're like, Oh fuck. Like, yeah, you can't look at no, it. No, you like can't that look at either. it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Cause then you're just, yeah. It skews your lens of how you look at the whole project. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm, you put yeah. too much weight on it and it yeah. has to be perfect. It's like, it's like going out again, taking it back to like going on a date. It's like going out with a girl. I've done this and like, I've met her and I'm like, she's like, I'm like, wow, this, this girl's amazing, whatever. And you go on a di- first date with her and you're like, this girl might be my girlfriend. Yeah. As soon yeah. as you say that to yourself, <laughs> you're like, girlfriend, <laughs> you're fucking, you're fucking done. Yeah. You're yeah. done. Because it's as soon over. as you set that expectation, uh, yeah. it's like, you can't, it, it is a tricky balance of like setting expectations and, and not having them too. Yeah. You know, like that's, well, you got to hold yourself to a high standard, but I mm. think, the, you know, the other thing too is it's kind of like that Kennedy quote. It's like, don't, don't worry about what your country can do for you. Like think about what you can do for your country. I didn't say it properly, but it's basically like when a movie, a film, a project doesn't really matter is don't think about what it can do for you. Think about what you can do for it. Yeah. And if you come from that mentality, mm. you'll get your ego out of it. I think, and I, I think, you know, live by that two strike rule, live by it with yourself. Don't ever let yourself off the hook more than once. Like if you fuck up once, go like, 
like look yourself in the mirror and go, you know what? Like Brandon, you fucked up on this. You get one more chance. Otherwise you got to fire yourself because you got to live at that standard. Like if we really truly want to be professionals, we really truly want to raise our game. We have to hold ourselves to the fire. Mm. I'd say I've let myself down more than I ever let anyone else down because it's so easy to let yourself down, you know, like, mm. cause you, you know, you don't have the same accountability, you know, but I think that ego thrives on, on getting away with shit like that. And I think like, if you hold yourself to that standard, any of us do, we'll help everyone else hold themselves to that standard. So that's just what I'd, I'd say, I think, like to leave someone with who's making their first film. And, and also one last note, <laughs> don't fucking stress, just do it, Nike it, you know, just fucking do it. Like it, you're going to fuck it up. You're going to make mistakes. Even if you think it's going to be perfect, yeah. you're going to fuck <laughs> it's up. It's never so. going to be. Don't be afraid yeah. to make mistakes. Everything that's going gonna, to everything you think is going to go wrong is going to go wrong. Yeah. Just you'll deal with it. You know, I have this and, thing. And you'll find this, shit out from yeah. it too. Hell or high water, just make it happen. Great you know? movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great movie. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. What do you, what do you got, Evan? I mean, you guys can comment too after him, but I wanted to let, let him finish because I started yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Um, you know, listening to what everybody's saying and, and from this conversation, you know, being, you never, you know, never having done it. And for me, I've never produced a film before. Um, and, and learning from your guys' experience and what you're saying and, and what's becoming important to me is that, you know, to kind of feed off of this whole thing of, of, you know, we're talking about like, Oh, giving people two strikes, three strikes. And what I'm realizing it's like, you know, it's, I, I think of, uh, a, for, a guy I talked to who was like, you know, kind of a specialist in terms of like finding financers. He'd never done film before, but he'd done like raised lots of money for other startups and stuff like that. And he said, ah, it's all kind of the same thing. I've been talking to him and he said, you know, it's really all about bringing people into your vision, inviting people into your vision. And I think that if we can learn to do that, we can avoid a lot of these problems of people who are like not really giving the same kind of love and effort. It's like, well, bring people into that love and that effort, bring people into that vision, make them a part of it, make them help people to understand Mm -hmm. why it's important. What is the message? What is the concepts? You know, when I think Mm -hmm. of what, what, um, you know, what Brock did with, uh, with desertion and admittedly on his part, he's like, you know what? there's a lot about this film that could have been a lot better. <laughs> like I, I made a lot of mistakes on this. You know, I talked to him a little while ago and he said, yeah, there's so many things. That his I first was, film. Yeah. His first film. But the thing that got me as part of it and that got my heart into it was seeing his heart into it and me to see too. that there me was too. like, he had an idea, his mm-hmm. vision. He wants to communicate something that was bigger than me. That was bigger than him. That was trying to do something bigger you know, and I think that that's part of it is like, you know, whoever you're bringing in, if they're your friend and you want to give them this opportunity, this part, still bring them into what the whole thing is about, you know, sit down, have that conversation, Mm. you know, and it's, and then you don't necessarily have to make them earn it per se, but you make them want to bring all that they have to it. So for me, as like, for us, as we're, entering into this, you know, our own thing. And for me, of like producing a film for the first time, you know, and doing this feature, I'm like, you know what? I know that there's people who I'm bringing into this, who I've said like, yeah, no, I want you to do this part. I want you to play this thing. I want you to take this role on. Um, 
that's, I'm going to do that with them. It's like, even though I, they, they have it and they know that they have it and they're going to be doing this thing. I'm going to say, Hey, let's sit down. I want to talk about this with you. This is what this is all about, Hmm. you know, Hmm. and you're, and now you are a part of it. Hmm. And if you can, if I can communicate that passion, that vision to you, now I can trust that now your heart's in it too. Right. I think also asking them, you know, just to further that point, I think, yeah, you're right. You got to enroll people. And I was told like, um, you know, after I'd kind of been building my show and stuff, I mean, I had people say like, look, like one out of 10 people that you probably bring on board are just, you're just going to find out they're not quite what you thought they were, mm-hmm. you know, especially you enroll them. And even when you think you enrolled them, they're just quite, quite not your fit. And, and that's okay. That's just part of life. You know, it's like with anything you do, but, um, asking people why they want to be a part of this, like, look, you could play this role, you could do this thing or whatever, but like, why do you want to do it? Because their answer is going to actually help them reinforce for themselves why they actually want to do it. Cause they can bullshit you, but if they bullshit you, they still have to live by what they said. So if they say, well, I just really want the role. I just really think it'd be great to get more credits. I mean, that's one person. The other person could be like, I believe in this fucking character. I just, I believe in the story. I believe in what's happening in the story. And if they say something more like that, you can kind of go, yeah, you get it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing you got to, you got it. Like as a producer, you kind of got to like, when you tell your friends, you got to like go, you, does this story make sense to you? Like, do you get what I'm trying to do here? like what we would be doing if we work together. And I think like with Evan, I mean, I think like I've noticed Evan has had a lot of faith in me, but I don't even think about it. I tell you why I like your story. I just like, I love that story. I fucking, Mm. I'm in love with it. But the thing is, is like, I know personally, like it's easy for me. It's something I actually love. But when I, when we get a director or when we, we hire anybody, even when we hire your fiance, I want her to come in with that same love. I don't want anybody to be on this project who doesn't really love it. Right. And I think like you guys probably can relate to that too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's like yeah, that old Simon Sinek video who dude, I absolutely love it. Like people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Always. that's, that's how you in, in business. It's, it's like it's everything. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. like, if you just say, it's like, Hey, we're doing this, you know, we're doing this film, we're doing this show. It's about this. You want to do it? You know, like we have this part, you'd be perfect. It's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's what it is. As opposed to just like, Hey, listen, we've got this thing and it's really about this and like, and how like we go about doing these things and, and about trying to find like, you know, you communicate the bigger, the bigger themes, the bigger things that are pushing and driving this thing. Mm-hmm. I think that that, that makes people want to go the extra mile mm-hmm. yeah, so, so. and go beyond go beyond than just like, especially like when you like with actors, man, like when you're dealing with actors, it's just like, <laughs> you know, like so many actors just like, oh, I just want to be fucking famous, man. Like yeah, I yeah. just want to, and they don't like, even, they don't even know how to go deep or, or what that, you know, I always say that like if actors, like there wasn't that chance of being rich and famous, I'd say that like 60 or 70% at least of people who our oh. actors would quit. Tomorrow. I, th- I think that Maybe it's, more. it would be higher. Yeah. I right, honestly, yeah. I think that it would be about like 80, 90. Yeah. Right. I think 80, 90 percent 90, of actors. I was trying to be like, nice you'll never be famous. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. Let's be honest here. Yeah, no. It would be yeah. 80 to 90%. Totally if, if you're like, yeah. no, you'll never be famous ever 
do you still want to act? Well, the funny thing is, is that eighty nine people would drop. Like, out. More than that, ninety nine percent of people will never be famous, yeah. which is kind of well, funny for me. It's like you gotta yeah. ask yeah. yourself this question: If you won the lottery now, yeah, what would you do tomorrow? Like for me, like I, I would I use that. Have it I would, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like I would Not use that does. money to to make like films. I would continue acting. I would like invest in like a theater company or something like yeah. that. So but me, a lot of people would like quit acting. So it's like, so then why the fuck are you acting then? Like, what, dude, like, such that's a good n- point. Or anything that's their passion. Yeah, like about. if if you are, would not continue doing this, if you had all the money in the world, then why are you doing it? My buddy and I, we were talking about this and he said a profound thing to me way back, like this 10, 12 years ago. He said, what would you do if you won the lottery? I'm like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd make my film, I'd do this thing. And he said, you know what I would do is if I won like this million, it was like, I don't know, it was maybe 10 million at the time or something. He said, I would take 1 million. I would do everything I possibly could to contact like Steven Spielberg or Scorsese or someone like this. And I would say, listen, if you let me shadow you for your next film, I will pay you a million dollars. I won't say anything. I won't get in your way. I won't do anything. Just let me learn from you and just be included in all the meetings. And he's like, and I was like, that's fucking brilliant. Like that's thinking like that's what you do when you have that opportunity. Right. Right. And I think like when you look at money as like this opportunity to like get you the opportunity to do something, it, it, it Mm. changes your relationship to it all. And I, I like to share that with people because even at the time for me, I was like, man, I never even realized the options I would have had with that type of money, you know? And I think like if we walk into our careers with that mindset, you can start to think about your resourcefulness. We, you know, like sometimes you might never have a million dollars to give to Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg, but, and they might not even accept it, but you know, you look at it and you go, even with the $10 I have in my pocket, what could I do? I could buy this Starbucks coffee here. No offense to Starbucks, but, or I could take this 10 bucks. Like when I was 20, like when I was 19, 20 years old, 18, 19, 20, 21, like my dad didn't want me to be a filmmaker. I'm just, whatever. I guess we're not closing. I'm, I'm sharing some shit. <laughs> That's all right. That's <laughs> kind of what happens. Yeah. Um, so my dad didn't want me to be a filmmaker. He thought it was a bad choice. He thought it was something that would doom me in my life and, and, and I'd end up destitute and broke and on the street and, uh, you know, whatever. And so, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, so I had to fight a lot to be a filmmaker. That was like a real struggle for me, especially in my early twenties. And I used to take every dollar I made. And when everybody was going out and drinking or buying nice clothes or doing this shit, most of my money went to trying to figure out how to make a film or how to do something. And I just always took every resource I had and put it into this, you know, and it taught me like how far I could like what I could do with a buck, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that if you really like get connected to why you want stuff, like sometimes I think, man, like I was always really connected to filmmaking. I don't know if I was as committed to like, say acting like, but I look at some actors, some actors will like take every dollar they have to make sure they can keep doing it. And I like, I fucking love that. You know? And I think that, I think sometimes we just have to give ourselves permission that like, for me, it was a little bit kind of like, I'm, I was just defiant when I was younger. So I partially did it because I was like, tell me you can't, I'm going to do everything I can to do it even more. But I think like, I know you guys love acting, but I think it's one of those things too, where you just go, you know what? Like hell or high water. It's like, you got to go like to the point where you're like, nothing in the world is going to fucking stop me ever. Like, 
you know, you have to kill me. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Like if you kind of get to that, like, that's what we need. We need that fire in ourselves to like go after what yeah. we want. Yeah. Cause that's, what's going to enroll everybody. Right. Absolutely. That's what enthralls other people to get on board with you. Like that's what you, that's what aliveness is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so anyway, that was my little speech. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, guys. Yeah, oh, slow, slow clap. clap. <laughs> I don't know if we ever had a slow clap. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.